Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, this is Kevin Kelly, and you are listening to the Startup Cast. This is Jesse from Club Venus from Stardom, and you're watching Stardom Cast. And welcome to the Stardom Cast, your weekly audio source of all things World Wonder Ring. Stardom, I'm your host, Rob Goodwin. I am joined as ever by Mr. Matt Turner. Matt Turner, how are you, good sir? Rob Goodwin, I am fantastic, my friend. Uh, this past Sunday was just the second time in the 58-year history of the Super Bowl that the game of games over here in the States went, went to overtime meaning that at the end of 60 minutes of play, it was a tie score. Unfortunately, my favorite team, the San Francisco 49ers, ended up with the L as the Kansas City Chiefs repeated as champions. But oh well, my friend, what can you do? It really was a uh, fantastic game, but uh, it seems like the 49ers in the past 10, 11 years have always become the bridesmaid and never the bride, which that wasn't the case when I was growing up. They won uh, out of the first 29 Super Bowls, they won five, and it just seems like they're just ever so close. But um, you can't control the outcome of your favorite sports games. But what we can't control today is another phenomenal stardom cast, my friend. I mean, what a way to set us up. What a way to set us up. Um, I will just say, just before we start, have you had any more snow? Because I was going to complain about how cold England was, and then I saw the amount of snow that you'd had, and you were just like, eh, it's par for the course. So how much snow have you actually had? We got about a foot of snow. I woke up. The, the, the report was on Sunday night that the storm was going to come Wednesday morning. So I was like, okay. And with my job, I'm on the road constantly. And we're always telling the higher ups that if it snows and we can't get out to our job, we always have to use a vacation day. So they're kind of saying, well, maybe we can work from home, yada, yada, regardless. Another story for another day. So I woke, so Monday night, they said, no, the, I'm sorry, Monday morning, they said the storm was coming about 24 hours earlier. Tuesday, I woke up to go to the gym and I'm like, yeah, it's going to be a home gym day. That's for sure. I uh, got my work phone and I put in for my request for day off. I took an hour nap and then uh, I went to work. I was, mm-hmm. or not work. I worked stuff on the podcast and me and you were texting back and forth. And I took a picture out of my uh, podcast room and I'm like, yeah, here's the snow that, that, that we got. And when it was all said and done. I measured and we got close to a foot of snow, my friend. Yeah, we don't tend to get snow like that. But I think we've said it before on this podcast that Britain 
can't deal with any sort of changeable weather. So we're fine if we know it's going to rain. We're fine if we know it's going to be sunny, even though we complain that it is going to be too hot. And then we complain when it rains because it's too wet. But when it snows, the entire country goes to hell. Like, no one seems to be able to drive. People forget how to drive. The planes stop working. We can't get trains anywhere. There's replacement bus services that's cancelled. Honestly, it is pandemonium whenever it snows. It's a good job we are not a country that suffers, you know, hurricanes or or earthquakes or anything like that because our country would go to the absolute dogs because, you know, whatever it is, when it comes to weather, this country cannot cope. So I'm glad we haven't had uh, your level of changeable weather. Um, uh, before we get into everything that we are going to talk about today, because despite there only being two shows, um, we have got a ridiculous amount to talk about because as is always the case when we record on a Wednesday the day after or in some of the news from today's case an hour later um, more stuff will come out so we have got quite a lot to talk to you about some stuff that came out last week some stuff that came out yesterday um, all all sorts of things coming out of stardom it's never boring let's put it that way um, but obviously we didn't record yesterday because it was Valentine's Day. Now, Matt Turner, I know you was a bit of a th- a bit of a Lothario, if you will, a bit of a romantic. How was your Valentine's Day? What did you treat the lovely Amber to? We just because our schedules are so busy, there's sometimes that on the actual Valentine's Day, we just can't go out. So with it uh, not only being on a Wednesday, it was actually Ash Wednesday for the uh, the religion that we uh, that we practice. So literally, we kind of were just like, yep, you're going to work when you come home. I have the stuff to do to church. I'll see you at church, and then I have stuff to do afterwards, and we'll do Valentine's Day over the weekend. So that's what we were going to do until we discussed it last night that we can't even do anything this weekend because she's got stuff going on. I got stuff going on. Now, Monday in the States, it's President's Day, so we're uh, we're uh, off work on Monday. So we're doing our Valentine's Day on Monday. Now, Rob, I may have in the this will be the 14th Valentine's Day that me and Amber been together between dating and marriage. This might be the worst Valentine's Day coming up because Monday we're going to go out <laughs> for brunch and then I'm taking her to go see Madam Web. Now, you know, I have to see every comic book movie in the theater. Good, bad or isn't different when that dreadful and I, I you know me, I'm Mr. Positive. I enjoy every single one. I like the Mar. I, I, I do. I'm, I, I liked every Star Wars. Just the more give me more, the more I'll love. But that um, dreadful, dreadful, uh, fantastic four movie that came out a handful of years ago, I was literally the only one in the theater. And my joke on social media was so many people were cosplaying as Sue Storm because Sue Storm (laughs) is the invisible uh, woman. So uh, that might have been the only one that I really, really disliked. This one is uh, I heard nothing but uh, thumbs down for it. And I'm like, yeah, I said, you know, I want to go see this. I said, you want to go see it with me? Because if not, I know Lily will uh you know i have to bribe my daughter sometimes with uh with dinner and uh, a slushy for her to hang out with her dad but it works and she's no 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 let's make that our valentine's day instead of rushing on friday or rushing on uh saturday before she has to leave let's just do it monday we'll go out for brunch and we'll go see this movie i was like okay no problem then last night we were uh after she came home from cleaning up after church she um she was looking online she's like 
this Madam Web movie is not getting good reviews. I said, yeah, I heard. She's like, this is really what you want to take me out to Valentine's Day? I said, well, love indoors, honey. You know, love indoors. So, and sickness and health, my friend. <laughs> sickness and health. But uh, how was yours, my man? It was good. Um, I obviously, as I said, it's half term. So I am at home. I'm working from home. Um, I We never do a massive thing for Valentine's Day. Kirsty had been at work all day, so... I cooked, which, you know, is possibly as bad as going to see Madam Web, if I'm perfectly honest. Um, but we had steak, homemade chips, and broccoli, because every, everything's more romantic with broccoli. Um, so we had that. I bought a... Because I tend to get flowers, I thought I'd be a little bit more romantic, and I got her Lego flowers, um, so they never died. We had an escape room like game thing to do, and yeah, it was it was a nice chilled out one, um, but nothing special um, because, like I say, we don't really do a lot for Valentine's Day. In fact, she was like, "Why have you bought me this? We don't do anything for Valentine's Day." I was like, "It's okay, it's fine. It's just a replacing the normal flowers that I get you from." petrol station on the way home but we don't talk about that matt we do not talk <laughs> about that um uh, i've heard about the uh, the madam web film by the way that it's that bad that they pretty much said yeah this isn't part of the mcu they've like pretty much distanced it from any other superhero film which i think is a telling sign that this is not going to go down well which is uh, which is unfortunate i do remember watching the terrible Fantastic Four um, on the plane home from New York. And I actually took my headphones off halfway through because the turbulence we were experiencing was better than that film. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was fairly dreadful. However, they have cast for the new one and uh, the new one looks looks like it could be, he says, with bated breath, very good. However, I do think, final thing on Madam Web, I think it will... It will have to go a long way to be worse than the second Venom film. How dare you? Let there be carnage? I thoroughly enjoyed that. Now, I will say... <laughs> to, the, to the shock of no one. Well, yeah, I was just going to say, no <laughs> Matt gets kicked in the nuts. I enjoyed that. Um, <laughs> um, don't get me wrong, right? I really love Carnage. Possibly my favourite villain in the entire um, of Marvel. Um when it was announced that he was going to be coming onto the film or into the MCU, I was like, yes, come on. Um, uh, they cast Woody Harrelson. Um, I was like, yes, that's amazing. And then, and then the film happened and the plot happened. And there is one bit, and Matt, you'll know what I'm talking about. Anyone that's seen this film will know what I'm talking about. There's a bit where he goes to a petrol station. And... Carnage needs to use the internet. We've all been there, you know, no signal on your phone, can't get data, Wi-Fi's a bit shoddy. However, what he does is he attacks the person behind the counter who happens to be on his laptop. And then what he does is he gets his, his tendrils, puts them into the computer, and is able to download stuff. Now, Matt Turner, you are a big comic book fan. Am I right? True. Yes. True, very true. I would like you, I challenge you, in fact, to find me one, one sole reference to Carnage having USB fingers. 
because honestly, I guarantee you will not find it. And I remember I was sat with my brother and my brother is one of the most dour, sarcastic people you will ever meet. And I just heard him go, oh, for God's sake. One of the worst scenes I've ever seen in my life. Um, But aside from that, it was just like the CGI was good, but I don't know. There was just something about the film that maybe come out thinking that was that was utter garbage. But yes, it doesn't surprise me that you enjoyed it. Clearly, Rob, you're looking at this the wrong way. It's not his <laughs> chemicals has USB powers. It has powers from the symbiote from Secret Wars number eight that they originally brought the Venom suit down from from the alternate planet that they had the uh, the secret battle with with all the Marvel superheroes. And that's where the power comes from, my friend. It does not that it's a USB port. It just has extra powers into the uh, into the Carnage symbiote. So there you go, my man. I feel like that is a stretch. I feel like that is a stretch. <laughs> anyway. Enjoy it. No, I, <laughs> I shall. Why not? Um, let's talk about stardom. I do just want to make note um, before we start that we were initially going to record today simply because a it was valentine's day and we wanted to spend time with our significant others which matt didn't do um obviously i did it i did at church <laughs> i did at church um and we we did it as well because we thought with i don't know where we both got this from but we weren't the only ones. We believed that the Stardom Corican show that happened yesterday as we record the Valentine's Day show was going to be live-streamed. Now, there were numerous references to this on the internet. People reported that it was going to be live, and yet it never was. Um, apparently, it was never confirmed by Stardom or Bushy Road that it was going to be live. Um, whether it was sort of a test to see if the stream will work ready for the pay-per-view and oh god we're going to talk about that um i don't know but it wasn't live so um it's going to be up on stardom in the next couple of days however as we record on thursday the 15th it isn't up so we didn't need to delay the podcast so i apologize we're not going to be covering the corican show we are going to be covering the two weekend shows from the 11th in fuji and from the 12th in Toyohashi. Um, I do, however, this is obviously episode 162. Matt, congratulations on 162 episodes of the Stardom cast. I just want don't to... Congratulate, don't congratulate me Yeah, We didn't finish this one. That's you might true. Fire me in tw- you might fire me in 20 minutes for liking Carnage. <laughs> well, it's, it's, been, it's been a tough couple of minutes, Matt. I'm not going to lie. Um, I am getting there. Um, no, I'd like to just say that this is quite a special episode for me personally. Um, and that is because, um, uh, as we all know, I am extremely diligent in my research and watching of stardom. And today is the first day out of 162 episodes that I have seen a show that Matt hasn't. I would just like that on the record, that it has taken 162 episodes, Matt, for me to see a show that you haven't managed to see yet. Honestly, I am buzzing. I wish you were just more organized, to be perfectly honest. This is extremely unprofessional that you haven't Hold seen on. this. Hold on. Let me, let, me, let me explain why. As we recorded this on Thursday, as I was leaving from my house to go to work, the show on start the uh, the show on the twelfth. It just came up on Sodom more an hour pre an hour earlier. 
And then myself and Rob were texting back and forth to just try to figure out what time would be best for both of us to record again, because Rob is five hours ahead of me over here in the States. And then he said, um, you know, we'll do this time. I said, well, it should be a short show. We want the show from the 11th. He said, well, we have the show from the 12th. I said, Rob, it just went up. Rob goes, well, I'm off today. I'll watch it, and then I'll do the review. And then you even said for once. So that's the reason why, <laughs> folks. That's the re- And plus, trust me, once we get to the Patreon part of this episode, I'm going to completely blow Rob away about what I've done and what I'm still waiting for Rob to release two weeks later. That's neither here nor there. However, since we are on this subject, I will be watching this show probably either Thursday or Friday. And what I'll do is I'll just do a like a little maybe five, 10 minute review of the show with my stardom star ratings. And uh, I'll throw that up on YouTube. So this way, at least, you know, everyone who cares will have my opinion and, uh, you know, what my star ratings are. So keep that up on your, uh, you know, your YouTube feed for anybody that subscribes to the YouTube, which is free. That'll probably, you know, my review of the show on the 12th will be up there on the YouTube uh, feed probably sometime this weekend. How dare you, Rob Goodwin? How dare you? (laughs) I think he doth protest too much. Um, uh, no, of course, um, this is the first time that I've ever uh, managed to see it, and it's only because it dropped on one of my days off. Um, if I'm being perfectly honest, and obviously we will get into this, we will go on to the Patreon and the news in a moment, the Stardom in Fuji show, uh, the show from the 11th, was the better show of the two. Both shows were you know, solid. Fuji, I thought, was a really, really good house show, really enjoyable. Um, uh, but Toyohashi sort of built on the Fuji show rather than giving us much in the way of things that are new. There was a couple of surprises on there, a couple of things to note, obviously, but I feel like if you've seen the Fuji show, there's not a great deal that you miss in the Toyohashi show. We're still going to talk about it, obviously, because there's still things to talk about, that main event, for example, and obviously, finally, all of the rookies are in a faction. But, again, if you don't have time to see it, if you've seen the Fuji show, you are not missing anything major. Um, But, Matt Turner, let's delve into the absolute chasm that we have got to talk about today. First of all, what is coming up on the Patreon this week? On our Patreon this past week, we released our alternate commentary of an instant classic from back in 2022, Sayaka Matani defending the Wonder of Stardom Championship against Micah. Also, uh, next week, our alternate commentary will be Mayu versus Kagetsu. That is from 2018, Rob? Um, 2017. 2017. We're actually going to be about an hour after we re- we get done recording. We're going to be doing the alternate commentary on that. So nice little uh, double up for myself and Rob Goodwin. Also, <clears throat> uh, this weekend, give or take a day or two on that bonus $10 feed, you will not be getting one episode, but two episodes. So that bonus $10 feed, I did a complete review of the rivalry of Sherry versus Utami Hayashista. Seven matches. There are three matches for the World of Stardom Championship. There are three matches from the five-star Grand Prix from 2020, 2021, and 2022. And their very underrated match from the 2021 Cinderella Tournament. So what I did is I watched all seven of those matches, and I did a review. That'll be up on your Patreon feed this weekend as well. And again, two episodes on the bonus $10 feed. I did a review of, um, not a review, but based that compared and contrast. Supreme Fight 2023 versus Supreme Fight 2024. And what I did is I kind of broke down 
there's seven main matches on each card. I kind of pit them up against each other. And then I did what show I liked better. And then I did my top five matches. So again, that $10 Patreon uh, bonus Patreon feed is kind of just whatever my little mind can imagine. And again, those two episodes will be up on your Patreon feed sometime this weekend. And we promise you once, once, you know, Rob is bashed me enough on this episode already. We promise you sometime soon, whenever Rob gets to it, he will do his what if Tai Kamatani never got injured in last year's five-star Grand Prix. And that should be up on your Patreon feeds, hopefully sometime before all the snow melts here in Pennsylvania. I wouldn't count on it. Um, <laughs> um, so in terms of the Patreon, obviously, Matt, you're doing a fantastic job, especially on that $10 tier. Um, I do just want to say to everyone that is a Patreon, first of all, thank you. Um, secondly, we have changed the price points now. Um, it is now $100 per tier. No, of course. Of course it's not. <laughs> what we've done is we've dropped the price. We've changed the amount of tiers. We've now only have four tiers. Um, and we have made everything basically cheaper. Um, so uh, what I've got in terms of the Patreon, I will just quickly whip through those tiers. Um, uh, for example, everyone is getting at least what they were getting before. You know, we're not taking anything away from anyone all we're doing is we are adding things for other tiers so if i just get this up because you think i'd be more organized i think i'd learn from myself after bashing matt for not being organized um right the stardom cast there we go um so in terms of the high speed tier which is now our one dollar tier as always, you get early access to the episodes, add free episodes, you shout out on the podcast. We're also giving you our audio weekly alternate commentaries. So if you're on our $1 tier, it used to be the New Blood tier. It is now the high speed tier once again, as it was in the beginning. That's what you get for as little as $1 a month. Um, the white belt tier is once again our $3 tier. So mm -hmm. if you were our old IWGP tier, that is now the white belt tier and you get everything you had before, but you get weekly alternate commentaries, um, uh, video, the monthly 90s, all Japan and all basically all the retro watch alongs that we do as well. They are on a monthly basis. The red belt tier, which is our $5 tier, now um is everything that i've already said plus the monthly round tables plus the monthly what if fantasy bookings and and patreon exclusive mini print you also get a sticker if you're part of that white belt tier and then our ten dollar tier which matt has been alluding to is known as our rossi vice tier um and basically a whole host of bonus episodes anything we can sort of put our mind to as matt has already alluded to that is going on our rossi vice tier um, and that is $10. The $25 tier is gone. Um, we've dropped the price of everything because obviously at the moment, I know that everybody, myself, including money, is incredibly tight. And the last thing we want to do is make it difficult for people. We appreciate all of your support immensely. Um, so we want to try and give you more for less. So thank you to all of you. I am in the process of going through and changing the episodes so that they are right for the available tiers. Um, uh, I think I've done everything that we have released in 2024. It's going to take me a while to go through and do everything from 2023 and 2022. 
but I am getting there. So please bear with me. Um, I am going to be going through making sure that you have access to everything that you are. Um, uh, sorry, just delete that. Um, everything that you are entitled to on the new Patreon. Um, let's talk about some news then. So obviously last week there was the bombshell that not only Rossi Ogawa had left the promotion or was fired from stardom by Bushi Road straight after the pay-per-view, but we also had the bombshell that he is going to be starting his own company. Um, now, we actually have a lot more information um, courtesy of Fumi Saito on the Pacific Rim podcast, who gave an interview. Um, and I just want to say thank you to the Stardom Samurai, who is a Patreon member. So hello, Stardom Samurai, um, who has summarized quite a few bits of this interview because it's 76 minutes. Um, but if you do want to watch it, it is on the Wrestling Observer re- uh, website, uh, but you do have to be a subscriber to get it. Um, it is worth getting, though. Absolutely. It's definitely worth listening to as well. But Fumi gives us a lot more information about this brand new company. So uh, apparently, according to Fumi, six main event level wrestlers will be leaving Stardom in March and are joining Rossi. Um, There are five American, possibly it's Gaijin, but he did keep saying American. So that's worth noting. There are five Gaijin or Gaikakujin wrestlers that are going to come aboard for the new promotion um and three new rookies um we're going to talk a little bit about mayu iwatani later on because it's a little bit more complicated when it comes to mayu um uh, we are also going to have the new promotion already has a name it's already sorted it's been registered trademarked the logo apparently has been designed and is ready to go the dojo is being set up. Um, the titles are currently been made. They've been designed. They've been commissioned. Um, we have a world title, a secondary title, tag team titles, and apparently we have also will have a trios title as well. Freelancers are going to make up, obviously, a huge amount of this roster, especially in the beginning, whilst stardom wrestlers are still tied into contracts and things like that. Um, And then finally, Saito says that Ogawa plans to run big arenas this year. So an absolute glut of information from the Pacific Rim podcast. Um, Nothing's been confirmed, obviously, as of yet. But I know that Fumi tends to be relatively... um, trustworthy when it comes to things like this a couple of these things me and you already knew matt um but there's some that are a surprise um six main event level wrestlers now obviously we knew when it was announced that um stardom wrestlers contracts are coming to the end in march that bushy road was sort of scrabbling to get people to sign extensions or you know even getting legal action involved um we knew there wasn't going to be a wholesale split we certainly knew it wasn't going to be an all japan noah thing where they left two people we knew it was going to be a couple of people however six main event level wrestlers is still going to leave a significant hole at the top of stardom isn't it yeah, and Rob and I have kind of gotten a little sneak peek of uh, what Rossi Vice Wrestling, who they're kind of pegging for. Obviously, we're not going to 
say who it is because we just we don't have that right and we wouldn't we're not going to speculate we're not that type of podcast but i know myself and rob we've kind of gone back and forth saying like if this is what the two rosters are and again our our initial first thing is just and anybody's initial reaction is overreaction and you just mentioned it a few seconds ago there my friend was uh this is like noah all japan and then we're like no, it's nowhere near as that bad. Uh, if you remember, too, Masawa, not only did he, did he take 90% of the rest, he took the TV as well, which is just insane to think about. But that's another story for another day. Yeah, they're taking, it looks like, a good amount of the wrestlers that have been main eventing in stardom over the last three or four years are going to be going over to this new promotion. However, because of how loaded the stardom roster is and continues to be, stardom is going to be just fine depending on where they move forward you know obviously rossi has the connections because he's been booking 35 40 years uh obviously he got the connections with the arena you know the magazines the uh the social media outlets and whatnot and now that he's been booking again 35 40 years where the two new bookers for stardom have been booking for two three shows so uh Stardom, I think, is just going to be just fine because if you take a look at their roster, again, from wh- who we believe is going over to, to uh, Rossi Vice Wrestling, that uh, the Stardom roster is going to be just fine. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of holes in the roster to fill, and there is a lot of wrestlers that are out there in the Joshi scene and as well as the uh, the, the American scene and Mexico and whatnot that can kind of maybe fill those voids. But I have a feeling that not only is Rossi's company going to be filled up with a lot of freelancers, but Stardom's going to have to go into freelancing territory as well. You know, we mentioned it last week. Why not the Inabe sisters? You know, uh, sorry, we, you know, where's she going to end up? Unagi. Um, I have a feeling that she, because of her, her relationship with Rossi, is going to be loyal towards Rossi. Now, I don't have that confirmed, but that just kind of just, you know, kind of goes hand in hand, one on one. That tag team over in Sendai Girls, Red Energy, who they're fantastic. Bring them in. You know, Chihiro Hashimoto, bring her in, you know, for one of the other two uh, companies. So you're going to see a lot of interesting things between the two companies. And again, the positive in this is the fact that these two companies are going to push each other to do better. So it's going to be interesting once this uh, company gets rolling. And then once we get, you know, once Rossi's company has a handful of shows underneath their belt you gotta think Rob. once rossi's company really gets going and they have a good amount of shows under their belt we're gonna be rolling right into five-star season what's the five-star grand prix going to look like mm-hmm. you know in 2021 it was amazing in 2022 phenomenal the 2022 five-star grand prix is one of the greatest wrestling tournaments in the history not just stardom but pro wrestling 2023 even despite all the injuries was fantastic so you know, that's got to be something that's got to be in the back of the heads of the new regime in stardom. It's like we have this tournament that starts in the middle of the summer and a lot of our top wrestlers, you know, you just mentioned about five or six main eventers. A lot of our wrestlers that have done well and sold tickets for us in this company for this tournament over the last two or three years are not going to be here. How do we fill that void? Uh, and they're going to have to think on their feet. They're going to have to think quick and they're going to have to hit more home runs than strikeouts, my friend. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely going to be an interesting thing to see how Stardom is going to be able to plug the holes of the roster of all this top talent that is leaving because their loyalty to Rossi. And what what does that go to tell you about Rossi? You know, Stardom is a company. 13, you know, they're, they're, they've been in existence for 13 years. The last two or three years, they've been a super profitable company. It was reported about a year or so ago to the second biggest wrestling company in Japan, either fourth or fourth or fifth biggest in the world. And you have this talent, this group of talent, this five or six main eventers leaving to go to a company that the, publicly we don't know the name yet. 
So that just goes to show you the loyalty that a lot of these wrestlers has to one Mr. Rossi Ogawa. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and there's a lot to be said for that. And we're obviously going to talk a little bit about... We know there's definitely one person that's going, you know, almost 99% is going to be Julia. You know, it was pretty much a given. It was pretty much announced in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter that Julia would be on her way. We already knew she was leaving Bushy Road. Um, that's We have also had the first person um, sort of commit to stardom, and that, of course, is Tam Nakano, which I must admit I'm quite surprised by, um, simply because... With all of the furore surrounding Tam at the end of last year, and it was Rossi who went and spoke to Tam, and I know that we were obviously close to Tam retiring from pro wrestling, and it was sort of Rossi that went to her, had dinner with her, talked around. I assumed that there would be some loyalty from Tam to Rossi. Obviously, that's not the case. She said she wants to stay with Sardom, and again... I know I said this in the last episode, but I feel like I need to echo it here. There's no, there's going to be no resentment, at least from us. Not that, not that that might means anything at all, but there shouldn't be any resentment for whether, you know, a talent chooses to leave or a talent chooses to stay. Like we talked about the tribalism between fans of WWE and fans of AEW. That shouldn't be the case. You know, more companies, more wrestling for people to enjoy. Um, it's going to be interesting, I think, is uh, the bottom line of that. The American Gaikakusians that they have in place, I think, could be really interesting as well. Are they going to go for established names? Are they going to go for newer names, people on the scene who have not perhaps been to Japan before? Um, that I'm really excited about. I'm also... I don't know if you... Have you heard the interview, Matt, with Fumi? No, I haven't. I know that there were a few people messaging, messaging us, ask if we were going to uh, talk about the interview, and I couldn't find it anywhere. And I'm this is literally the first place that I'm that I'm hearing it. So I'm glad that you're able to uh, to you know to talk about. It. Obviously, Fumi does have a great relationship with our friend Tom from uh, Monthly Purell. Basically, Fumi's been taking Tom underneath uh, underneath his wing and basically show him on the reporting. And people who don't know, Fumi is basically I, correct me if I'm wrong, Rob. Fumi's basically the Japanese Dave Meltzer. I mean, I think he's the most celebrated wrestling uh, journalist probably in the history of that company. Would I be wrong in saying that? Honestly, Matt, I've got no idea. <laughs> you oh. could be right, you could be wrong. I don't know. I just I just know that because he's been on a uh, uh, lot of the American podcasts over here, especially a lot on, on Talk is Jericho. A lot of times he's, he goes on Jericho's podcast. I know that he was he did a phenomenal job. Him and Meltzer were on to talk about the deaths of like Vader and Antonio Noki and it's and the way that I kind of perceived it is like he's like the main guy. He's like the you know as far as uh Japanese uh, journalism goes. But no, to answer your question, I did not hear it. But if everything that you're telling me from this interview is what he's saying, I'm ninety nine percent sure that uh, that his stuff is accurate. What made me laugh coming out of this interview now bearing in mind that fumi is reportedly very close to rossio rossi ogawa who for all intents and purposes sounds like a really nice man <laughs> like obviously i don't know him um but sounds like a nice guy but people were saying um after this interview that it was coming across that rossi was the good guy and bushy road with the with the bad guys well 
Fumi is Rossi's friend. Like, he's obviously going to say nice things about Rossi Ogawa. That's just, that's how things work. I don't know what people expected from this sort of interview. I'm sure if people from Bushi Road gave interviews, it would be a different picture. Like, that's how loyalty and alignment works. I feel like that was, you know, but people were getting quite angry about it on social media. It's like, yeah, obviously, if I wanted to defend my friend, I'm not going to then slag them off on the internet because that's not how things work. Um, uh, coincidentally, we were talking about All Japan and Noah earlier. Fumi Saito did the uh, forward of uh, Jonathan Foy's Gambaru book, which is uh, goes all into the split about uh, All Japan and Noah, and it's phenomenal. So uh, definitely go and read that because it's brilliant. Um Three new golden rookies in a dojo. The, this is the first I've heard of a dojo being set up. Now, something that does intrigue me is that, obviously, we have six main event-level wrestlers that are leaving. Are some of those people going to be running that dojo? Because we know that a lot of the rookies at the moment are being helped at least by someone like Hazuki. So uh, will Hazuki be tempted to leave? And obviously, we don't know any names, okay? We don't know who is going to be leaving. We can speculate until the cows come home, but we don't know names. Again, the one name I thought, Tam Nakano, is the one who is absolutely staying. So, you know, take what we say with a pinch of salt. But, you know, someone like a Hazuki, who is experienced in training the rookies, is is that going to be something that sees Hazuki taken to the new company? Or, you know, there's that aspect of it and the training aspect of it. But also, are people like, I don't know, an Azumi, for example, are they going to see it as an opportunity with the glut at the top of the card being cleared out? Are they going to see that as a chance to get into that main event scene. And the same for Hazuki. You know, is she going to see the fact that, you know, X, Y, and Z have left for Rossi's company, Rossi Vice Wrestling? Is she going to then go, do you know what? Now that there is a clearing of people in front of me, I've got more of a chance of, you know, potentially finally winning that white belt, winning that red belt. And it's it's a horrible situation because in an ideal situation... Bushiroad and Rossi would have worked out their differences and things would be fine. But unfortunately, that is a naive way of looking at the world. It just doesn't happen like that. Um, so, you know, Mayu, for example, who is, you know, was trending at one point in, on social media a couple of days ago. You know, people like Mayu who have been with the company for a long time is stuck between a rock and a hard place. So, obviously, Mayu was all over social media with a whole load of tweets. Um, she then tweeted out that um, basically she didn't know what to do, um, getting very, very worked up. There was one moment where it looked like she might just have food poisoning, um, but there was one... She's had a phone call now from uh, the president of Bushy Road Fight, Toro Okada, and basically, it was a worried phone call, and she's taken down the tweets. But Mayu, who is possibly the most indebted to Rossi, you know, anyone that knows the story of Mayu knows that Rossi Ogawa 
is the reason that we have the Mayu Iwatani that we have right now. And I'm sure that Mayu would want to repay that. However, we talked about all the contracts. All the contracts are up in March, apart from one, and that's Mayu Iwatani. We have a little bit more on that. Mayu's contract is actually significantly longer than the end of March. Um, uh, I believe Scotty Wrestling, friend of the show, um, fantastic bloke as well, um, uh, actually managed to get the question answered by Dave Meltzer. Dave's not exactly sure, but both six months and nine months were mentioned in terms of how long Mayu's contract is. Now, uh, Matt, I know you didn't watch the Toyoyashi show, but you did watch the Fuji show. In the ring, there was no difference at all in Mayu Iwatani. The most heartbreaking thing for me, and I don't know if I'm just reading too much into facial expressions and things like that. We had smiles from the likes of Hanan, Hazuki, um, Tam, Mina. Mayu was smiling, but it didn't look like it reached her eyes. It looked like a very superficial smile. The bell rang and there was no difference, but at least for me, you could see that there was the weight of the world on that poor woman. Um, and if you think that she is one of the ones that desperately wants to leave, and again, we don't know for sure, but it's something that's mentioned in this Fumi interview, Mayu Iwatani wants to leave and will leave when she's able to join the new promotion. But to wait six to nine months with this weight on you, that's horrible, isn't it? Yeah, Rob, I want to read you something. Um a friend of the show, Thomas Bauer, he was actually at the Cork and Hall show. Again, obviously, as of this recording, we haven't seen it, so we're not going to review it. But uh, he basically sent me a whole bunch of notes and pictures from uh, the show in Cork and Hall. And Thomas, thank you, and thank you for supporting the show. He gave me some notes, and I'm not going to go through all the notes, but he did say this about Mayu. Mayu also, and again, he's right there. He's in Cork and Hall. It's basically, you can say that's the building over the past 10, 10 years or so that Mayu helped build. You know what I mean? Mayu also seemed a bit distracted before her match. She wasn't her, her usual cheerful self. I think the Rossi stuff has really bothered her. I mean, we've seen Mayu in so many big matches in Cork and Hall, and just like, again, that's where like she shines so much bright. I mean, she's fantastic. You know, we've talked so much about her greatness on this podcast. You can make an easy argument that she, she's the greatest female wrestler of all time and one of the greatest wrestlers, you know, of this or any generation. And the fact that she's coming into Cork and Hall, you figured, you know, all smiles. And the fact that somebody that was there live sitting in the bleachers was able to look down and was like, yeah, Mayu doesn't seem like yourself. And it doesn't take a genius to figure out why. It was about a week ago. She was putting out all those tweets that she was just upset that she can't leave if she wants to when her contract is up in March. And maybe that might be a good thing, Rob, because if her contract was up in March, then she would have to make a decision. Maybe she has these extra six to nine months to figure out what she wants to do. It really seems like, and again, we know Mayu's story. Her movie, her life is going to be a movie coming out in May. You know, majority of us know Mayu's story that she was basically a shut-in and was able to go to a Dragon Gate show and fell in love with wrestling. And the very first stardom show, Birth of Nova, which we will be doing a uh, a review on uh, sometime this month, is her very first match. And like, just how much did the stars have to line for that? And that fact, she never left the company, stayed with the company for 13 years. She's the icon of stardom. She's done so much for the company. And a lot of it has to do with that. She has a father figure, as many of these wrestlers do in one Rossi Ogawa. So it's like, do I go with my father figure to Rossi Ogawa? 
or do I stay with a company that made me because I am known as the icon of stardom? So it's like she's at a point that if she stays with stardom, she'll feel good that she's staying with a company that is stardom, but not going to Rossi's new company. And the fact that Mayu just seems like the sweetest person in the world. Um, I don't know if you saw that on their YouTube channel this past week. They, uh, they released a video of her and Momo Kogo going to a petting zoo and she's petting and feeding giraffes. And you're just like with the smile on your face. In the back of your, I just watched it this morning, and you have a smile on your face, but your back of your head, I'm like, this poor girl, her her soul and heart is crushed because she's at a point where it doesn't matter where she goes, she's going to be torn either way. And you just feel bad for her, but if her contract is up, let's just say at the end of the year, and she really wants to go, I think Bushi Road needs to do the right thing and let her go. But at the same time, when she was putting up those tweets that it was Okada that, um, President Okada, not Kajusuka Okada, that called her and was just like, and checking in on her. Hey, I'm just checking on you to make sure that you're okay. Like, I can't fill that void you had over the 13 years with Rossi Ogawa. I can't do that in the first, you know, year, year and a half, you know, two years. But let me check on you to make sure that you're okay. I think that speaks volumes of the new president of stardom, who I'm sure is insanely busy, saw those tweets were, were, cut, were up, stopped everything he was doing to check in on Mayu to make sure, Ma, Mayu the person, not Mayu the wrestler. I, I mean, it's two different things to make sure that uh, that she was okay. So that speaks volumes about the new president that he definitely has the best interests of stardom and the uh, the performers uh, in in and outside of the ring. Uh, you know, he's got that at heart. So it's a, it's a heartbreaking scenario, my friend, because I know a lot of us were talking to a lot of our listeners and a lot of the stardom fans and me and you, going back and forth which is we just feel really really bad for mayu and again if she decides in three four or five months that like okay i re- i want to go i really want to go i want to go to rossi's new company i hope stardom you know they make sure that's their decision and they release her from her contract early because ultimately that we just want everybody to be happy and healthy in the world of professional wrestling especially somebody like mayu Utani, who has given us so many great memories over the last 13 years and counting uh, we just want her to go where she is going to be, uh, you know, the most happy. Absolutely. And, you know, we talked about this a little bit last week. More than anything, it's the wrestler's happiness that needs to be first and foremost in most people's minds or in everyone's minds, should I say. Um, and, you know, we talked again a little bit last week about how, you know, this is the first stardom show for so many without rossi there like you look at mayu 13 years she's been in stardom since that very first show in 2011 and this is the first show where she has looked out save for illness and rossi ogawa is not there that must be a horrible horrible feeling you know the same with someone like asaki kashima or Momo watanabe or even the young ones azumi rina hina ruaka who have been there for so long and rossi ogawa as i mentioned last week has been that constant you know, through all of the trials and tribulations that stardom has had, Mayu especially is the one that is going to feel it the most because she is the one who has been there since the start. She is the one that never left. She's the one that's never retired and come back. She has been there. So she's the one that is going to feel this the most. And, you know, it's unfortunately the worst thing that can possibly happen that the one person that it's going to affect the most is the one person with the longer contract because obviously you talked about the film the film is the reason and all the advertising and all the commitments that go along with having this film is the reason that Mayu's got this longer contract so uh, I, 
I can't imagine the confusion and everything else that goes along with it. Whatever decision she makes, I imagine that Rossi will support her because, you know, Rossi sounds like that kind of individual. Um, you know, however it is worth noting that it's not just wrestling that Rossi helped Mayu with. At one point, Mayu was literally living with Rossi because she had no money. You know, she was, you know, Rossi was doing the laundry and, you know, was paying for everything because Mayu didn't have anything. And when Mayu offered to pay, Rossi was just like, no, just pay me back when you've made it. So it's it's not just a wrestling thing between Mayu and Rossi. It's it's a far more emotional and deep connection that they have. And that's why, honestly, I do think that Mayu will leave. Whether it's, you know, at the, at the end of the six to nine months, which I do think it is. I think if it was... I think if the film wasn't happening, I think Bushi Road would be more inclined to maybe come to some agreement with Mayu. However, with the um, the film coming out, with all of the commitments that Mayu has in relation to advertising this film, I don't see them letting out of a contract early. Of course, I would be absolutely delighted to be wrong, but that's just that's my opinion on it. Um, there's so much more to talk about just from this interview like this company is so much further along than i think a lot of people realize you know the titles have been commissioned they are currently being made the logo the names you know they are supposedly looking at a dojo and you know rossi wants to run big arenas this year in 2024 something's cooking it really is. Um, I know that Fumi is close with Rossi, so I imagine that the vast majority of this is accurate. Um, you know, there might be the odd discrepancy, but again, it's pro wrestling and things change on a daily basis. So even after this interview, it says six main le- main event level wrestlers. Today it could be eight, today it could be three. So again, until we get to... March until we get to that moment where contracts are being discussed and contracts are up. All we're doing is speculating, but I thought it was very interesting that this is not just a, you know, I'm going to start my own promotion. This is clearly something that has been in the back of Rossi's mind for a long, long time because he was let go just over a week ago and we are already at this point which is uh, which is crazy. I can't wait to hear more information in regards to this. Um, uh, so just sort of building on that, um, on Twitter, at Olga Butikova, what a name, um, uh, has actually noted it was hinted during this interview that Mayu, Starlight Kid, and Azumi want to leave, but can't. Um Mayu surprised by those... Well, not Mayu, obviously, because we've talked a lot about Mayu, but Starlight Kid and Azumi. Are you surprised that it's hinted at by Fumi that they want to leave? I can see Azumi. Again, she started wrestling when she was, <laughs> I think, like seven or eight years old. So, again, you talk about a father figure. I mean, literally watching her grow up. Um, I can see Azumi. Starlight Kid is one that I kind of figure would stay with stardom. It really seems like the brass of Bushi Road really, really like Starlight Kid. You can kind of tell anytime there's new merchandise, uh, it's always Starlight Kid that they push forward, you know, because she's so entertaining, so energetic, and just like the whole mass presentation that she does, 
it's really easy to, you know, build her around, you know, her merchandise. And then you see her in the ring and just how fantastic Boosie Road produces her. And obviously she does great on her own. You can put Starlight Kid in any situation, you know, she's one of the best on that loaded roster. But I think that, again, I wouldn't be, I mean, just because of everybody, how loyal they are to Rossi. And then again, at the same time, how loyal would people be to Bushi Road that is going to put more money in this company that already has the 13 years of the star name behind it, that people be loyal to that, loyal to that company. So like outside of Julia, because she's been very upfront and honest that she is going to uh, Rossi's company. I really wouldn't be shocked to see really anybody go to any different company to either or. Just because, again, you have Rossi, you know, was way, way, it sounds like well ahead of the curb before we get in a match and then uh, before you know, a show, excuse me. And then you have everything with stardom. So it's going to be interesting to see who falls where. And then after a year, I mean, you got to see, let's just say for an example, Utami's like, you know what, I'm going to stay with stardom. She's going to resign her deal for one year. What happens in that year where she's just like, eh, you know what, didn't go as well as I thought. Um, it did okay. But this Rossi's company, he's doing this, he's doing that, he's getting money. Again, in a year from now, I mean, he's going to look different in four or five months from now, six months from now, in a year from now, how much more, how much different it's going to look. Even some of these wrestlers, again, I'm just using for Utami as an example. What if she says, I will stay, but I'm only going to stay until Dream Queendom. I'm not going to sign the year deal. I'm only going to stay for nine months. And if they say, no, you can't do that, then she'll be like, okay, then I'm not staying at all. Like I mentioned it last week, a lot of power is in these wrestlers' hands. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Now, Rob, I'm going to ask you a question. And if you don't want to answer it, because I know you don't want to speculate, by all means, you don't have to. But I'm going to ask you the question, and I'm going to give my answer. This is going to give you time to think about your answer. Is there any wrestlers that you would rather see stay, stay in stardom or go to Rossi's company? Now, while you're thinking of that, my answer is, I don't care where Azumi, Utami, and Sai Kamatani go to. I just want the three of them to stay together. Anybody that's listened to this podcast for any length of time know that I'm a huge fan of Queen's Quest, especially the top three of Azumi, Sai Kamatani, and Utami Hayashista. Also, I would like for Hazuki to stay in stardom because when you talk about chasing belts, obviously the big chasing in belt and pro wrestling is what Cody's been trying to do over the last you know, two years. The Hazuki chasing the Wonder of Stardom Championship, to me, is one of the most entertaining and captivating storytelling uh, that they've had. And it's, it's, it's an ongoing story for, I don't know, six, seven years. Again, she tried against Kyrie, failed. Io failed. And then uh, uh, Momo failed. Arisa Hoshinki failed. Sayakamatani failed last year, failed. And she ever comes so close. Now, can Hazuki go to Rossi's company and become their first champion of the their big champion sure that'd be great if she chases a belt for six seven eight months in rossi's company and becomes champion would that be great absolutely but i just think hazuki winning that wonder of stardom championship would just be just a culmination of what is you know almost a career defining story so uh, i've had that question asked to me before and it's like again as long as everybody's happy but in my opinion as long as you keep the core three of queen's quest together and again, I would like for Hazuki to stay in stardom so she can finally win that Wonder Stardom Championship. Now I throw to you, my friend. And again, if you don't want to answer, no problem. It's funny you should say about the core three of Queen's Quest because I was thinking about this. I wonder how much someone else leaving can affect your decision, you know, in both yep. the positive like and the, the negative. Like, like the sisters. 
Like exactly. the Hanan, and Rina and Hina. Yeah, I think if one of them goes, I think they're all going to go. Yep. You know, if if Sayakamatani goes, is Utami then going to go as well or vice versa? And it's interesting to think that, you know, I talked a little bit earlier about how it's pro wrestling and therefore on a day-to-day basis it can change. I wonder how much it's a case of, right, well, if you go, I'll go. But if you want to stay, I'll stay. I do wonder how many are sitting on the fence. Um, and I wonder how many are waiting out to see how a rossi stardom will go. And there's nothing to say, you gave the example of Hazuki, there's nothing to say that Hazuki won't stay for a year and go, actually, I don't care, I'm, I'm going to go. Um, so we could see people sign another extension for another year if you know stardom continue with the way they've done contracts for God knows how long. Um, and just keep them on year-rolling contracts. That will be interesting to see if Bushiro do continue that with uh, the Rossi breakaway promotion. I wonder if they'll try and tie them down to longer contracts now to stop them doing what I've just said they might do. Um, uh, in terms of who I think should stay... Ugh. Like, who would you like, in your personal opinion? Again, well... I've talked, and I say this all the time, regardless of what Rob thinks that Tam Nakano is my favorite wrestler. I don't have a favorite wrestler in stardom. I just want to see Hazuki win the white belt. And my favorite faction, not just in stardom, but in all the wrestling, maybe even all time, is Queen's Quest, especially with the core three. But for you, your fan base, who would you like to see go to, go to Rossi? And who would you like to go uh, or stay in stardom? I'd like to see Mayu go to the Rossi promotion. Um, for for several reasons. She's got nothing left to accomplish in stardom. She's done everything in stardom. Um, But obviously because of her emotional, personal and historical connection to Rossi, I think she will be happier in that new promotion. She's also someone who, you know, and obviously I don't have an inner work, I don't have an, you know, intricate knowledge of Mayu's finances, but, you know, I imagine that she is probably one on the stardom roster that hasn't got to worry as much about money and things like that. Um, So Mayu is one I think should go. Um, In terms of someone who should stay, who's going to get the spotlight? We talked, you know, there's six people leaving. That's going to give your upper mid card the chance to shine. In fact, it's going to make them shine. They don't have a choice. So I'd like to see Micah stay. Because that way, then there's more of a more of a focus on her. Um, I'd like to see Azumi stay, um, simply because then you know she's up in that upper echelon now. Same with Starlight Kid. I would be surprised if Bushi Road let Starlight Kid go. I'd be very obviously, you know, at the end of a contract, it's not up to them. But I would be surprised if Bushi, Bushi Road aren't fighting tooth and nail to keep. Starlight Kid, because from what I understand, she's an incredible merch mover. You know, just from masks and jackets and everything. You see, every time you turn on social media, Starlight Kid is modeling some other type of merchandise. And from what I understand, she's a huge cash sort of grab for for Bushi Road. So I'd be very, very, very surprised if they aren't fighting very, very hard to keep Starlight Kid. And if Starlight Kid does stay, and I do think she will, it would not surprise me if we see Starlight Kid with either the white or red belt in the next eight to ten months. So, Mayu to go, I'm going to go out on a limb and say Starlight Kid to stay. Um, But, you know, if Mayu stays with Stardom, Starlight Kid leaves to go to Rossi's promotion, I'm not going to be fussed. I 
and this is going to sound really insincere and soppy, but I genuinely do mean it. I just want people to be happy. Yes. So yes, Rob Goodwin. Absolutely, brother. I'm absolutely not just in wrestling but in life folks because that's what it's all about we live in it sorry to cut you off i just no, want to no. just add on i just want to add on to your point this world can be a negative place it really really can be social media can be a very negative place the world of professional wrestling in these six weeks that we're into this year is just absolutely crazy i mean look what's going on with the biggest company in the world just nuts rob is absolutely right that whatever you do to make you happy and this is not just to the wrestlers in stardom or just wrestlers in general. To anybody that's listening to this company, do what makes you happy. As long as it's not hurting anybody else, do what makes you happy. Do what you think is cool. You go, everybody has a different path in their life. You go and follow that path because at the end of the day, it's all about your happiness. And I always say, now obviously I'm, I'm a loving husband and a loving father, but I always say I cannot make my wife happy or my daughter happy or anybody happy if I'm not happy. So at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it's just all about you being happy. I mean, you can't make anybody else happy, not unless you're happy. So at the end of the day, it's all about you doing what you want to do to uh, to make you happy. So I just want to just add on to a phenomenal point you had there, brother. Yeah, completely agree with you, mate. Um, I don't think anyone gives their all if they're not happy. But, you know, wrestling is not the be all and end all. I feel like, you know, we should allow people to be happy, to pursue what makes them happy. And again, you know, I know people are going to go, oh, you're just saying that. No, I genuinely do just want people to be happy. There's nothing worse than being stuck in something that makes you miserable, that makes you unhappy, that makes you feel guilty. So whatever any of the wrestlers choose to do, I just hope it makes them happy. You know, if Ruaka chooses to go, I hope it makes her happy. If Rina chooses to stay, I hope it makes her happy. I don't have any bigger thought on it than that i just want them to be happy where they are or with what they're doing should i say um uh, final negative <laughs> feels like we've talked a lot about the negatives but um there was also a report about the reasons behind julia dropping the red belt um, so this is summarized by at peps underscore wrestling on Twitter, who is another great source alongside Sky Wrestling for Joshi News. Um, so it was put out by the Wrestling Observer that the reason Tam had a run with the red belt um, was not as it had previously been reported. So if we go back to May 2023, so April 2023, Julia loses the red belt. Tam at All-Star Dream Queen, All-Star Grand Queendom, sorry, in the Yokohama Arena. And then the 2023 Wrestling Observer Newsletter is reported that Rossi decided Tam should win the belt so that she could have a title run while she could still perform at a top level. And I believe, Matt, that both of us said that that was the case. That would be the reason Tam, you know, is coming to the twilight, see what I did there, of her career. Oh, oh I know, I know. That's why, I'm here. That's why they pay me the big bucks. Um that's sort of why they were giving Tam this this run with the red belt as sort of a thank you and basically to give her that chance at the top of the card. Apparently, that is not the case. Apparently, that was something that was put out but was not the case. Obviously, we talked a lot about how Bushi Road had been going over Rossi's head, changing booking decisions despite it being understood that Rossi would have autonomy over booking and things like that. Um, uh, apparently... Um, Bushi Road wanted Julia to fight Maya Yukihi, which of course we know she did 
in March. Apparently, there is a very real personal hatred between Julia and Mayuki dating back to their ice ribbon days. Um, Bushiroad wanted to put this on a pay-per-view. Julia basically begged them not to make her do it because of the personal issues between them. Basically didn't think she could trust Maya in the ring. Um, so, um, in what can only be described as uh, quite a brutal move, uh, Bushi Road said, well, if you don't want to do business, we'll find someone that will. And Bushi Road told Rossi to take the belt off Julia, and that's when the belt got put onto Tam. So, actually, the reason that we had the obscenely short run of Julia with the red belt wasn't anything to do with Tam. It was nothing to do with Tam. It was because Julia didn't want to face Mayukihi, which is astounding, to be perfectly honest. And it certainly makes you understand the frustration that Rossi has, especially when you have been building certain storylines you've been built you've got long-term booking in place and then suddenly you're told no you have got to do this because we are your bosses suddenly you feel so you have the legs cut out from under you you feel so sort of small i can imagine you have all the power taken away from you i mean it felt like for two years we were building to Julia becoming the Red Belt champion, Julia becoming the top of the company. We got there, it felt organic. She had to fight to win the Stardom fans' approval. Finally, we were all there, we were ready for the reign of the Dangerous Queen. And then because Bushi Road wanted to cash in on a personal feud that Julia didn't want to revisit, they told Rossi to take the belt off. And now... On the one hand, I can understand Julia not wanting to do it, okay? But if I'm allowed to play devil's advocate for a second, bosses at work tell us to do things that we don't want to do all the time, but we do it because it's our job. Now, I obviously do not know what this is like in an in-ring perspective. I can't think of anything worse than being in a wrestling ring with someone that you can't be sure you can trust. That must be horrendous, and therefore I completely understand why Julia would not want to do that. But where's the line then? So I don't agree with the way, just for the record, I don't agree with the fact that Bushy Road told Rossi to take the belt off her, because ultimately Julia did have the match with Maya Yukihi. Yes, it was a time limit, uh, sorry, a double count out, but it was still a good match. So she still did business. So why Bushi Road then went to Rossi and told them to take the belt off her, I don't know. But is there a point where, as a wrestler, you've just got to grit your teeth and do the thing that the bookers are telling you to do, even though Bushi Road aren't supposed to be the bookers? It's it's a complicated situation, Matt, and I can see it from both perspectives. But I do feel incredibly sorry for Julia. What's your take on this? Now, again, I'm not going to compare myself to any talent level uh, on Julia. Julia's phenomenal on my best day. I'm nowhere near as good as her. But from being an in-ring perspective, and I had had those wrestlers that I just didn't trust for one reason for another. And it's kind of one of those things where it's like, well, this is the match that the promoter who's paying me to go do, 
I'm going to go do it. Now, am I in the right? Am I in the wrong? I don't know. But you have to be able to know that you might have to defend yourself at some point in time. You want to eliminate any risk. You want to eliminate any body slams. You want to eliminate any, you know, suplexes just because they can drop you on your head. Are you going to get stiffed and potatoed? It's a possibility. But uh, Julia's a badass as well. And if you go back and watch that match, and I might have to go back and watch it knowing what I know now is Julia brought the fight to Maya Kugi in that in that match. I mean, we know Julia is an absolute bruiser and a badass in her own right. So she can take care of herself. Again, not only is she a heavy hitter, she's very, and we've been saying this for years, she's very underrated when it comes to her grappling. It's clearly she has some sort of either catch wrestling or jiu-jitsu background. Uh, I don't know what Maya Kugi's, um what her background is. Obviously, we know that she's a very, very hard hitter as well. But that might be one of those things where it's like, okay, um, I'll go through with it. I don't want to. Here's the reasons why. I am your main eventer. I'm your top champion. I'm one of your top draws. If something happens to me in that ring and I get hurt, I might be out for six to eight months. And now your top draw is out because I didn't feel comfortable being in the ring with somebody who's not under a stardom contract. I understand that. But here's something that I'm a little confused with, Rob. If the whole reason, and again, if, there's always three sides to every story. My side, your side, and the truth, right? Somewhere the lines are getting blurred here. We don't know all the information, but we know a great deal. But if Julia said, I don't feel comfortable doing this match, and they said, well, you don't need to be champion. Let me ask you this, Rob. Did Julia do the match? She did. Mm -hmm. Why did they take the belt off her then? That's the thing I don't understand. If Julia refused to do business, said, no, I'm not doing the match, then yes, take the belt off. We've seen we've seen examples of this throughout wrestling history. Wrestlers refusing to do business in a strip to the belt. You know, we, it's entwined with wrestling history. Julia did this in spite of not wanting to. Yes, she complained. People complain all the time. You don't fine them for complaining. You don't punish them for complaining. Yes, Julia might, want, might not wanted to do the match. And yes, we don't know what the finish should have been. The match may have been supposed to end with Mayukihi winning the red belt. I sincerely doubt it, but that could have been the case. And Julia campaigned to get or protest until the end of the match was changed. I sincerely doubt that that is the case. What I'm trying to say is we don't know the ins and outs of it. We don't know all of the details. Something feels incredibly wrong about this. What we do know is that Bushi Road were interfering with a lot of decisions. This is perhaps the biggest one and perhaps the most egregious one, I am completely with you, Matt. Had Julian not done business, then maybe I could understand a little more Bushy Road telling Rossi to take the belt off her. However, yes, Julia voiced concerns, which, don't get me wrong, you know, surely the company have an obligation to listen to those concerns. If you are an, em an employee and you have concerns over something, as an employer, part of your duty of care is to listen to those concerns. So uh, rather than just saying, now nah, you're doing it, and if you don't, I'm going to fire your ass, like, that's not the way we should be running a company. I'm not surprised that Julie is leaving. So again, I don't know what went on behind closed doors. Will we ever know what went on behind closed doors? No, because there's two sides to every story. And the chances are we will just get the he said, she said. But with what we have in front of us, something seems incredibly weird with this, doesn't it? 
Yeah. And I'll say this, Robin, then I'll kind of, you know, tag you in, then you can finish this how you want to. How would have I have fixed it? I would have got them all in a room and be like, here's the concerns from our champion. She doesn't feel comfortable. Will you give us our word that you are going to be? It's, it's fine to be hard hitting. Julia's hard hitting and get in a room with uh, Mayu, with uh, Julia, Rossi, and the brass at Bushi Road. That's the way they should have done it like adults. We're a professional company. We're the second biggest wrestling company in the great company and the great uh, the great country the, of Japan. Let's handle this. Let's sit down and hash it out like adults, like any company does. I'm sure you have problems with the company you work with. I have I have bumps in the road. The company that I work with, I'm able to go to my direct employer and saying, "Here's here's issues that I'm having." And sometimes it gets escalated, and sometimes it, we get to a happy medium. Medium. That's how business works. Now, here's something else to do, uh, that you could think about, Rob, because I've had this happen to me on the independents. Julia going into that match doesn't feel comfortable. Don't you think there's a certain somebody that she was tag partners with that uh, I would say, hey, why don't you come down to the ring with me? I know that we're not in the faction anymore. Here's my concern. If I was Julia, and again, we don't know, I would have told Sherry, hey, um, maybe about a minute in this match, just watch my back. That's what I've done because I've had that asked to me where people were like, no, Matt, I don't feel comfortable about this. Can you just kind of just sneak down there? And if something happens that doesn't look professional, can you have my back? Because let me ask you this. Is there anybody in Joshi that's even going to touch Sherry when it comes to an absolute shoot? Probably not, my man. Probably not. Because sometimes people go into business from themselves. There's no safety net in professional wrestling, especially when you're on a live pay-per-view. So that's one of two ways you could have done it. Again, obviously the first way, the adult way to sit down. And if Julia's still not feeling right about the situation, and who knows? Again, Rob, I might go back and watch this match this weekend. Who knows? Halfway through the match, I may look and be like, hey, guess who was guess guess who was seconding Julia five minutes in this match? Because if stuff goes sideways, it gets a little stiff. Cherry comes in, and that's not gonna look good. It's not gonna look good for the challenger, my friend. Again, that's just me. Something I don't <laughs> Why was my Yuki he bought in? Like I, I know that we were trying to get Final to, Derby, wasn't it? Yeah, and I understand that to a certain extent. The match with Suzu Suzuki felt organic and needed. It felt needed in Julia's backstory, and you know we've seen both women work together since, and apparently any beef that has been sort of there has been put to bed, but. Did we need the Mayukihi match? I mean, really. I know that Bushi Road will have seen this as a feud and therefore money, but did anybody sort of go, oh my God, we've got Julia versus Mayukihi for the red belt? Yes! No, no. I would have much rather seen a Julia versus Utami, the match we never got and probably now never will. Like... Why Why did we need to shoehorn my Yukihi into this? And because obviously it was 2023 and we had 8,423 pay-per-views, it had no time to build on it anyway. We had one confrontation at Corican. I just, I feel like the entire thing wasn't needed. Sure, bring the team in as a freelance team for Triangle Derby if you're struggling for teams, but I don't feel like we needed anything at all from Rebel and Enemy post the Triangle Derby. And I certainly don't think my Yukihi earned a red belt shot in any way. So mm. it, it felt shoehorned in the first place. 
And did we elevate our champion in the beginning by going that match going to a double countout? We thought, oh, maybe they'll run it back at a cork in another pay-per-view. No. And they'll put Julia over. And then a month later, she wasn't champion. So how did that help the stardom wrestler? You know what I mean? It didn't elevate Julia at all when you're bringing wrestlers in from outside companies. It's fine, but you need to do that to elevate the star in your company that is your champion that you're kind of building this company around over the last year. So it didn't elevate Julia at all. Was it a great match? Absolutely. But at the same time, you didn't do anything to help the champion of your company that's making you money, you know? So I don't know. (laughs) That's just my two cents on it. But that was la- that was my Yuki's last match in the promotion. She hasn't wrestled for Stardom since. So what was the point? That's right. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, you're right, brother. Like, there's just there's no there was no. I'm just I'm going back on Cage Match now because I can't actually remember. Right. So on the right on the opening night, Rebel and Enemy beat Donna Del Mondo, beat the Barry Barry Bombers. So I suppose that that was the claim even though I am 100% sure Mayuki, he did not pin Julia. Um, but even so, like I don't feel like there was anywhere near enough there to earn a title shot. Um, and, you know, it went to a double count out, and then they never squared off again. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. No sense. Makes no sense at all. And uh, if that's the sort of thing that Rossi was dealing with, then... That's incredibly frustrating. However, let's move on to some more positive things. So the first thing I want to talk about, and I'm going to let Velkic actually explain this because he has explained it a lot more or a lot better than I can. So it was announced by the We Are Stardom Twitter account that um, basically if you want to go and see Stardom live in Japan, um, Stardom tickets can now be purchased at 7-Eleven, Family Mart, Mini Stop, and for shows after April 1st. So now it is incredibly easy or a damn sight easier internationally to get tickets. Now, Velkage has put in a rather long Discord um, message why this is such a big thing so apparently it was incredibly difficult nigh on impossible to get tickets to a stardom show if you were buying from outside of japan so he said so for people who don't know how it works so far this is from velkage and again velkage hello hope you're doing well PIA and Stardom had a deal for the PIA to do their fan club thing, sell tickets and the pay-per-views. Pay-per-views were made available relatively soon to out-of-Japan purchases, but tickets were not. What does this mean? It means that if you wanted to purchase a ticket to a Stardom show, you had to use a Japanese address to register, and you had to have a Japanese phone number to confirm the registration. That's a headache, right? But what is a bigger headache is that you had to buy a ticket from them you had to have a Japanese phone number so they were able to send you a confirmation code to text and even to check your orders were still required to use the confirmation code. So basically, until now, anyone who was not in Japan and was traveling and wanted to go to a show had to either use someone who had all of those things, buy a ticket on the day of the at the box office, 
or use a third-party service. The tickets on the day of were fine for Sumo Hall, but for example, um, uh, for the Tokyo Dome show that they could have run, uh, it would have been impossible to do so. Sorry, Tokyo Dome. Tokyo Dome City Hall. Um, uh, so now it is apparently a lot easier to buy tickets internationally and you don't need all of these ridiculous things to buy tickets. That is a massive, massive plus if you're an international fan of stardom, Matt. Well, I guess you can go to 7-Eleven, get your uh, Slurpee, your Macho Man Savage Slim Jim, and then your front row tickets for Cork and Hall. All in one place, which is the way it should be. Rob, last time I checked, in order for you to get tickets for anything, or really for you to get any kind of merchandise, the only thing you would really need is legal currency. So the yeah. fact that you had to jump through all these hoops, and I kind of get, I kind of understand, especially with credit cards and the way that the, kind of the world works, especially if you're buying something overseas, but I get it. You want to make sure everybody's being safe with identity theft being what it is and whatnot. But yeah, th- this makes it a lot easier, more accessible for people to get tickets to stardom. So obviously I think that's a huge plush on a uh, huge plush plus, not plush plus on Bushy Rhodes part is making the tickets for their shows more accessible and easier to get to and many more outlets to uh, to get them at. So uh, good on them. Yeah, absolutely. And I imagine it is quite a plush as well, Matt, um, as well <laughs> as a plus. Um, uh, more good news is that we are going to see even more stardom participation on New Japan cards. Obviously, last week we talked about the fact that Mayu Iwatani will be defending the IWGP Women's Championship at the New Beginning in Sapporo show on the 23rd of February against Mina Shirakawa. Well, it is also been announced that um on the 17th of february oweratai's starlight kid and ruaka will be participating in the cmll fantastica mania tour and that match has now been made official they are going to be taking on laharashita and luvia i have probably just butchered those names but that is going to be taking place as we record on the Saturday of the Fantastic Mania Tour. So more stardom participation on New Japan cards, Matt. Very, very exciting. And what a coup for Uwaka, especially. I mean, we've seen Starlight Kid on stardom on New Japan shows before. I know that she was on dark matches at Wrestle Kingdom, wrestled at the Tokyo Dome. For, so, for someone like a Uwaka, who is a lower mid-carder, to be wrestling on a New Japan card, this is huge for her. Yeah, it's going to get a good spotlight on her. And obviously, she's teaming with probably the perfect person that's going to accentuate all of her positives in one star like it. And considering the fact that the two of them have different styles, like you're not going to see Ruwaka doing any standing moonsaults or uh, 619s or tiger suplexes. That's going to be left to Starlight Kid, but you're going to see Ruwaka pretty much probably be the bruiser, the heater in the match because that's what, where she shines best for a wet tie. So, uh, yeah, good on her. And good on Stardom for booking you for doing something, you know, a little bit different. It'd be easier to send Starlight Kid over there with a Momo Watanabe or send over, you know, Azumi or um an Utami or a Sayakamatani, but the cut to take Ruwak and be like, you know what, let's give her this opportunity for her to shine and to get herself over with a different audience. I think that's really cool. Um, I'm all about opportunity and hopefully Ruwaka is able to seize the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm glad that she's on there. I'm definitely going to be checking that match out. The Fantastic Mania tour, by all by all accounts, has been a very, very entertaining tour. So I'm looking forward to watching that. Um, uh, 
So we talked a little bit and <laughs> talked about pay-per-views in Stardom and how it's been so nice to have just one a month, didn't we, Matt? We talked about how it's refreshing to have storylines that have a long time to breathe. Um, uh, Stardom have heard us and have therefore inserted more pay-per-views again. Um, uh, they announced, um, uh, was it Wednesday they announced this, Matt, I think, um, that the Corrigan Hall show on the Saturday, which was three days away at that point, is going to be made available via pay-per-view um, for uh, 2,200 yen, which is about $14, $14.62 to be precise. So it is at a cut price, um, but at that point, we hadn't had a card announced. So it did feel very much like 2023 and the arbitrary shows were being made pay-per-views. We are going to go through the card because it has been announced now. We are going to go... Th- In fact, sod it. Let's go through it now, seeing as we're here. Do it. Um, Do it, because I, I have a booking idea. Go for it, Rob Goodwin. You go, brother. So let's let's take this with a positive. Kogama is back on this show, which means that of that horrible spate of injuries, we have now only got Natsupoi and Momokogo left on the shelf. So very, very excited to see Kogama again. So she is going to be on this card and she's going to be in a great match on Sunday, which we'll talk about later on. So the card for the pay-per-view, and I'll let you guys at home decide whether this is a pay-per-view worthy card, cut price or not. Uh, tag match, Azumi and Lady C versus Starlight Kid and Ruaka. Suzu Suzuki versus Rani Yagami. Meisera versus Waka Sukiyama. Six-woman tag, Queen's Quest versus Soeta, Utami Hayashista Sai, Kamatani and Miyu Amasaki versus Momo Watanabe, Wina and Fukikin Death. Um, we have got EXV taking on Cosmic Angels, Mike Amina Shirakawa, Zena and Hanako taking on Tam Nakano, Sioriano, Yunamizmori and Sayaka Karora. Um, uh, Stars versus Godzai, Mayu Utani, the returning Kogama, Hazuki and Yuzuki versus Siori Marai, Amisori and Saki Kashima. And then your two title matches, New Blood Tag titles, Hanan and Saya Wingori, the champions making their second defense against Mei Sakurai and Chan Yota. And then in your main event, the New Japan Strong Women's Championship is on the line. Julia, the challenge, the champion, sorry, taking on the challenger, Nat Sakotora. So, first things first, Matt. Is that a pay-per-view worthy card in your eyes? Um... No disrespect, no. I know all of these uh, ladies, wrestlers, are going to work their asses off, because they do. Uh, They do every single time. But for them to shoehorn a pay-per-view and kind of just give us, you know, it it will be a good show, yeah, but to give us, make it a pay-per-view, cut price or not, I don't think it is. No. I, I, now, don't get me wrong, I was a huge advocate of making Corrigan's um, uh, more prestigious again and giving people who are buying tickets to a Corrigan something to cheer. And this was certainly, it started anyway, in the right way, you know, putting two title matches on there. You know, Julie versus Natsukatora is going to be hard hitting. I'm looking forward to it. Anytime I get to see Wing Gory tag together, I'm excited. But the fact that we're getting the New Blood tag titles versus May Sakurai and Chanyota, Great. Is it going to be a five-star classic? No, because Chanyota is still relatively 
fresh into her career. And May Sakurai is a very entertaining lower mid carder. Is that your pay per view one two? No, I, I'm not. I wouldn't pay fourteen and a half dollars for this. You know, I if this was a Corican Hall show that I was getting as part of my Stardom World subscription, great. Okay, we've got two title matches. We've got things to look forward to at Corican. I'm excited. We've got the continued build up between um, EXV, Micah, and Cosmic Angels is Tam. I'm excited about that. But other than that, and Kogama's return, obviously, let's not, you know, there's been enough doom and gloom in on this news segment that has gone very, very long, by the way. I've just realized we're almost an hour and a half into this podcast. We haven't looked at a show yet. Um, you know, thank God Kogama's back. That's great. I'm excited. But aside from that, even the undercard looks weak. Like, you've got the Queen's Quest 6 woman, Utami Saya and Miyu Amasaki, against Momo, Rina, and Fukuken Death. No disrespect to Rina and Fukuken Death. You've got Meisei in a singles match with Wakasukiyama. Um, you've got Azumi and Starlight Kid facing off against each other, which I suppose is, you know, is good. Stars and God's Eye are going to knock it out of the park because they always do. Those two teams seem to have been doing really good things together whenever they've been paired up on the road two shows, um, or the house shows, should I say, over the last couple of weeks. But even at $14.62, I think that is stretching it. And if this is something that Stardom are going to start doing... I'd be very, very upset about it, Matt. Okay, now um, I agree with you uh, on a lot of points. Will I be getting this pay-per-view? Absolutely. I support stardom wholeheartedly. Will I be watching this live on Saturday morning? More than likely, yes. I do enjoy watching these shows live and being able to interact with the, the stardom fan base on social media in a positive way. So, because yes, you be don't sleep. You don't know how well. to sleep, Matt. <laughs> I try, my man. My cat's always scratching at that door at like three or four in the morning. Like, it's time to play. I'm like, let me give me some sleep. Anywho, um, what I would have done, considering the fact that they, they're running Cork in, they ran Wednesday and they're running Saturday. You look at that card, and I believe those two title matches were announced about an hour before the Cork and show uh, started, the New Blood Tag Match and Julia versus Tora. And I could be wrong. But here's how I would have booked it. We got asked last week if you were booking stardom or would you guys book stardom? Here's my booking philosophy. So what I would have done is, okay, this show is on a Wednesday. A lot of people work on Wednesday and it's Valentine's Day. So I, and we don't know the numbers yet because I don't know if they come out yet, but I'm assuming that they didn't draw the, you know, the 12 or 1300 that they would do from time to time at Corkin. But now, you know, in the back of your head that we're going back to Corkin in three days and we're going to do it as a pay-per-view and we're going to slash the price. This would have been, I think this was a huge missed opportunity in stardom, considering the fact that Rossi's, this is post Rossi stardom. And we mentioned at the top of the show, that kind of stardom is made to look like the bad guy, you know, from everything that's going on right or wrong or indifferent. That's the perception of the company right now. So what I would have done, and again, it was heavily rumored that this show was going to be live on YouTube. And me and you were, and again, I forget where we got that information from. I mean, I thought it was on the uh, the We Are Stardom or the, the, the one of the Stardom uh, Twitter pages. And again, and again I, I could have been wrong. Maybe it got taken down or maybe it was just falsely reported. But you know you have the technology to do this. Rob, you can live stream from your iPhone. Like anywhere in the world, you're telling me Stardom can't live stream 
you know, Bushy Road can't live stream their shows from Cork and Hall. So, and we've seen them do it before on the New Blood shows. Majority of these New Blood shows are live streamed on YouTube. So what I would have done, knowing that you're making this a pay-per-view, I would have live streamed this for free, done everything I possibly can, live streamed the show for free. You give them this one for free, and then you make them pay for it on Saturday. Now, again, you're running the same building. So you know going into this building, hey, an hour before the show, let's announce Tor versus um, uh, Julia for the Strong Belt. Let's, let's announce the New Blood uh, tag belts. Now, in this show from Valentine's Day, you had Utami versus Lady C. From what I've seen, the backstage segments is after the match was over, Utami's whole big thing was she's just trying to make her own faction stronger. And with Lady C being kind of like the, lack of a better term, the bottom part of Queen's Quest. What if you did this promo in the ring? And Utami was like, the whole reason why I wanted to have this match is I wanted to elevate you. I want to make Queen's Quest the best faction in all of wrestling. And me being the leader... The best way to do that is for us to challenge each other. Then you have Azumi grab the microphone, because I'm assuming all members of Queen's Quest are going to be seconding in, this, in, in, in that match. You have Azumi grab the microphone and be like, you know what? You're the lead of Queen's Quest, Tom. You're absolutely right. I think the, be- the best way for us to get better is to challenge each other. We're going to be back here in Cork and Hall in three days. Why don't you and Sai Kamatani put those belts up against me and, me, me and Miyu Amasaki and O2 Line? So now if you're in Cork and Hall, you're like, well, geez. I'm sitting here. I'm probably going to go to the show on Saturday. It's in the same building. We have two title matches. Now we have Aphrodite versus O2 line. Or you could have done the Crazy Star match that we were supposed to get a month ago that we didn't mm-hmm. get because what I Suzu. Because, because of Suzu. Either way, you're in a win-win. And now you're like, oh, geez. You know, obviously the Crazy Star match, that's the match I want to see. But regardless, you already have that storyline built in with Utami wanting to, to challenge the other members of, of Queen's Quest. Either way, it's a win-win. Now, Rob, you have Micah and Mina have been teaming a lot because they're now part of the new faction. You have Micah as the red belt champion and you have Mina as the number one contender for the uh, IWGP championship. And we've seen these tag matches happen quite a bit in stardom. Why don't you set up on this Wednesday show for Saturday? Uh, Mina, Cause we know Mike and Tam is going to be the big, uh, the next red belt match. And we know Mina and Mayu is going to be the next red belt match. Set up that tag match. You have Micah and Mina, and then you have Tam and Mayu. And if you know Stun's history, and I know you do, Rob, and I do as well, you know the history of Mayu and Tam. So now you're sitting there going, wait a minute. I'm sitting here in Cork and Hall, and I had this great show, and I know that I'm probably going to come back on Saturday. And us as fans who don't live anywhere near Japan, me and you, are like, they're setting up a pay-per-view, shoehorning a pay-per-view three days in time? Well, what are they doing in Cork and Hall? Well, we've announced these two title matches. Now you're giving me Crazy Star versus Aphrodite or Aphrodite versus O2 line. And you're going to give me Micah and Mina versus Tam and Mayu who have this huge backstory for going back four or five years in Cork and Hall. And it's going to be a pay-per-view. Granted, it's three days, but you're cutting the price. And then, oh, by the way, Kagama's coming back. Great. What are we doing with her? We're teaming up with Herzuki and Yuzuki. And you're going up against Momo, Starlight Kid, and Rina. Well, we, didn't we just see Rena and Yuzuki have a great match in the last pay-per-view? Yes. Didn't FWC and Black Desire have two fantastic must-see tag title matches in 2022? Yes. Now I have that. Oh, by the way, here's the rest of your undercard. Oh, and by the way, you're sitting there in Cork and Hall. Tickets are on sale now. You can get them at the box office. Now, Rob, you may be asking yourself, Matt, does that actually work? Yes, it does. And let me tell you a little story about my fandom in the late 90s. 
I, my favorite wrestling company when I was in high school in the late 90s was this little wrestling company called Extreme Championship Wrestling, also known as ECW. Rob, have you ever heard of them? No. You never heard of ECW? Okay, well. Okay. <laughs> ECW. Now, what East, this is the genius of ECW. Once every four or five weeks, they used to run a venue in Scranton called the CYC. Which, fun fact, is actually Gorilla Monsoon's favorite venue to uh, work and book of all time. Anywho, what they would do is they would have four or five matches. And Joey Styles would come out and say, ECW is coming back March 10th. Which, then you're like, that's four or five weeks from now. Like, they're coming back. We're coming back March 10th to the CYC. And on that show, you will see the franchise Shane Douglas. You'll see Rob Van Dam. You'll see Sabu, the Pipples, Tommy Dreamer, Taz. You're like, oh, wow. And then he would say... Tickets are on sale now at the box office. Rob, I can't even tell you how many times me, my brother, my buddy Paul, and my cousin Frank, we would literally get out of our chairs and run downstairs because the box office was downstairs and where they ran the shows was upstairs. We would run downstairs to get tickets. By the time we got to the bottom, this is before the internet, before you had all these apps, again, you know, 97, 98, 99. By the time we got to the box office, row one was sold out, row two was sold out. You've already presented it there. You've already presented it there. Joey Styles would tell us when the show is, who we're going to see. Tickets are on sale now. We will now take a 20-minute intermission. Everybody ran to get tickets. These are the matches. This show's going to happen in three days. Tickets are on sale now at the box office. You're telling me they're not going to be able to sell out at least half that building before people leave their seats that saw that? I think that would be, I think this was a complete missed opportunity. Complete missed opportunity. You could have set, you're in that building in three days. You could have set up a boatload of good matches, well over 1,200 people, and sold a ton of pay-per-views at half price. But, but we are going to see, what was the, uh, what was the singles match we've got? We have got a random singles match between Suzu Suzuki and Rani Agami. So there is that. That'll be fun. It will be fun. And to be fair, Suzu Suzuki had a very good match with Yuzuki. My point is, Maysayer is in a nothing singles match. Suzu Suzuki is in a nothing singles match. Utami and Saya are in a nothing six-woman tag. Are you telling me that we couldn't have had that tag match here? I'm in complete agreement with you. Um, I think they have dropped the ball. However, let's talk about some things a little bit more light-hearted. Um, Matt, you mentioned Mayu Iwatani um, going to a petting zoo. Have you seen the video of her pinning a sleeping kangaroo? I did. Now, does that count as a title <laughs> defense? <laughs> I think it does, but I also think it means that the kangaroo is going to be looking for a rematch, so maybe we're going to be seeing that, probably on a pay-per-view if Bushi Road have got anything to say about it, but I am looking forward to the rematch. It is honestly one of the most wholesome videos you've ever seen. Mayu very, very quietly putting her hands on the kangaroo's chest. This kangaroo's adorable, by the way. And Momo Kogo making a very, very quiet three count. If you haven't seen it, and if you're having a really bad day, just go and watch the video. It's adorable. Both of them marking out over bears as well, which apparently is a big thing, <laughs> probably because they were missing Kagame. Um, also, Matt, I don't know if you saw this. Did you see Mio Amasaki making her AEW debut yesterday? No, what? I watched it all of AEW. She was on AEW TV. Let me be more specific. A sign of Miyu Amasaki made its way onto AEW television. 
Oh, I saw that. And I also <laughs> saw that they want th that Cosmic Angels might be getting a new member in one Daniel Garcia. Yeah, I saw that as well. That's right. <laughs> yes, Kevin. Um, otherwise known as Mio Amasaki, had a sign held up. So excellent to the person that made that sign. I hope you are a listener because you are a legend. And yes, Daniel Garcia, an honorary member of Cosmic Angels. Hopefully, one day we will see Daniel Garcia standing alongside Tam Nakano doing the dance. We can but hope, Mr. Turner. We can but hope. Um, let's move on. Let's actually start talking about the shows because I believe, yes, we're almost an hour and 40 minutes into this and we haven't started talking about this. So as I said before, we are going to be talking about the shows in Fuji and then I'm going to whip through the show in Toyohashi. Um, we start on the 11th of February, starting in Fuji 2024 in Fuji and mess shizuoka 506 reported attendance which started on reporting as a full house it's not the biggest attendance they've drawn to fujisan mess they did draw i believe 617 to last year's triangle derby show but 506 obviously depending on how they set the show out still a very respectable number the results are as follows tag team match yuzuki and saida defeated Mei Sakurai and Sayaka Karora, Yuzuki pinning Sayaki Karora with the rolling arrow in 9 minutes and 27 seconds. Three-way match, Momo Watanabe defeated Mirai and Lady C. Momo pinning Lady C with the... Oh my god, I've got hiccups. B-driver in 8 minutes and 29 seconds. In tag team action, EXV, Micah and Waka Sukiyama defeated the Cosmic Angels team of Tam Nakano and Yuna Mizumori. Micah pinning Yuna with the anchor Toshi in 11 minutes and 36 seconds. Eight-woman tag match, Queen's Quest versus God's Eye. Um, Utami Haishis to Saikamatani and Azumi and Miyu Amasaki defeating Syori Amisori, Saki Kashima and Rani Yagami. Miyu Amasaki getting the pinfall over Rani Yagami with the Tenzai in 14 minutes and 7 seconds. In your semi-main event, a six-woman tag match, the EXV team of Mina Shirakawa, Hanako, and a returning Xena defeating the Stars team of Mai Iwatani, Hanan, and Hazuki. Xena getting the pinfall over Hazuki with the Thunderstruck in 17 minutes and 23 seconds. And then in your main event, the six-woman tag match, the Iweratai team of Nats, Katora, Starlight, and Ruaka defeating the Donna Del Mondo team of Julia, Suzu, Suzuki, and Meisteira. Natsukatora getting the pinfall over Julia with the Swanton Bomb in 17 minutes and 41 seconds. Um, a couple of things to point out from this show. Um, apparently, Xena has been using her time off to perfect her chops because she absolutely lit Hazuki up here, absolutely tore it up with some chops, and then had a confrontation with Sai Reader in the main event of the next day's show. So very, very exciting. Looked like she hadn't missed a step. Thought she was really, really good in this match. Um, did you notice, Matt, the Natsukatora family that were on the hard cam? Yeah, I I think this was the same venue about a year or so ago where they ran. And again, Oedo Tai is the only like 100% heel faction. Like obviously DD, DDM's, you know, dissolved, but they were kind of like the tweeners uh, and whatnot. But it, it seems like when they run, I think it's this venue, you have the Torah fan base. And I saw them literally from match one. And I remember last year, Torah who's supposed to be the most serious, badass heel in the whole company and like popped her. So I noticed when they were coming by, it was Starlight Kid that pointed it out, and they wind up getting a, a photo when Momo Watanabe got in there as well. And the one thing about this show, and again, this was the first 
post uh, Rossi show, not only was there not an empty chair in the building, even from what I saw, you know, you did report it was a full house over 500 people. Everybody was over. Everybody was over. Everybody in the crowd had a good time. It just seemed like, okay, like if this is where we're going, we are definitely headed in the right direction. And then obviously there's some kind of, we just mentioned the bumps in the road with not getting the Cork and Hall show free. And then the fact that they're shoehorning a less than stellar card for a pay-per-view coming up. But I'm watching this match and are the show. And I was like, man, I think Stardom's going to be okay. I think they're going to be okay because this show is really, really good. There's nothing that was like four stars and above in my opinion, but everybody got over. The crowd was into everything. The show didn't go too long. Um, I, Zena being back was great. Again, we'll talk about some of these shows, but are some of these matches. And then you literally have the biggest heel faction is maybe the most over, you know, with the with the tour family where you had everybody there. So uh, I, I hope they frame that. I hope they go back and, you know, obviously stardom at the beginning of their shows. They do a lot of the signings. I would love to see that that uh, gets uh, signed and maybe that'll be the that family's Christmas cards for the end of 2024. So, uh, yeah, good, good on them. Good on them. It's always good to see people having uh, fun at uh, at wrestling shows. What made me laugh was it wasn't just the Donada, uh, sorry, the Awedatai teams that were sort of going out and going, oh my God, look at you. Like Suzu Suzuki acknowledged it and tried to start a fight with the little boy. Tam Nakano <laughs> recognized it as well. So it was really cool. And the lad looked fantastic, looked exactly like Tora. Um, Momo Watanabe, when she came out with the three-way, gave him a very, very subtle nod and they touched baseball bats, which I thought was a very, very cool way of acknowledging it. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. I thought this show, considering it's the first post-Bushi Road show, I know we had, sorry, post-Rossi Ogawa show, sorry. Um, and I know we had, we had to wait a long time for the cards, um, but overall, I thought it was a really, really fun little card. Um, I thought those two those two back-to-back matches, Stars versus EXV and Awedatai versus DDM, were very, very good, really enjoyable. Um, Micah versus Tam got a little bit more interesting as well with that lead-up tag. I thought that was really good. Um, and Yuzuki and Sayaka Karora had a fantastic little exchange. Um, Sayaka Karora's spear, significantly better than Adam Copeland's. Just going to put it out there. Um, Yikes. Yikes. (laughs) um, What did you like then, Matt? What matches do you want to talk about from this card? To the shock of absolutely no one, my favorite match on this show, and not by much because there was a lot that was in contention, was the eight-person tag with Queen's Quest versus God's Eye. Uh, Anytime you get Shuri in the ring with Utami, that's kind of the way to go. We mentioned it on this show quite a bit, and I might – do this for next month for the uh, ten dollar tier. The uh, for as far as rivalry reviews go, Sherry versus Zumi is one of those things that just works. For some reason, I had something on the other day and I watched their match from the twenty twenty two five star Grand Prix on night one. And for some reason, those two just work. So they tease us a little bit with Utami and Sherry, but they gave us a lot with Sherry and Azumi, which I thought was great, really good. I thought Rana and Saikamatani had some really good exchanges. Saki Kashima just fits in her stuff. Absolutely perfect with the you know the hard hitting that is Amisori and Cherry, and again anytime you get the core three of uh, Sai Kamatani, Utami Aisha, and Azumi in the ring, and then you're adding in whether it's a Miyu, whether it's Arena, or whether it's or not Arena Ahina, 
or whether it's a late DC to kind of accentuate what they're going to do, I think is great. Like me, you was taking like some heat in this match as the match is building towards the end. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you just see here comes Sai with something. Here comes Utami with something. Here comes Azumi with something. And then Shiri comes in to make the save. And all of a sudden, and Ami comes in for the save. And then you just see Azumi running off the rope. And she does that spot with uh, Utami gets her on her back and just twirls or like Terry Funk with the ladder and just knocks everybody out that I'll never not be entertained by. Um, that again, that's my favorite match of the uh, of the show. I had it at three and three fourth stars. It was a good match. Thoroughly enjoyed it. They are one of those partnerships, uh, Queen's Quest and God's Eye, that just work. And I think Rani Yagami, though perhaps obviously a step behind everyone else from being a rookie, I think is really benefiting from being alongside the likes of Suri especially. Um, Miwa Masaki, again, looking so much more confident in herself in offense as she got an absolute pasting the following night at the hands of Suri. but i thought here she looked brilliant on offense she looked brilliant on defense the uh the next night overall a really 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 good match so far no stakes attached to it but you know you get the queen's quest trio of utami saya and azumi together always going to be brilliant and you spoke of the partnership between Suri and Azumi if you haven't seen it or if you haven't seen it for a while they have an SWA match in 2021 pretty much a year to the day or two years three oh my god it's been three years oh my god three years to the day oh my god in Corrigan Hall for the SWA Undisputed World Women's Championship and that's really good as well you should check that out if you haven't already um it wasn't my favorite match of the card I must admit I thoroughly enjoyed EXV versus Stars both matches actually from uh, Fuji and from Toyahashi Xena again looked fantastic Mina Shirakawa and Mayu Iwatani I had my reservations, not about Mayu's talent, obviously, because she's one of the best to ever do it. But when you could see that there was stuff playing on her mind, I was like, I wonder how she's going to react in this sort of situation. Um, but obviously, never a flicker when it came to in-ring. And those brief exchanges that we got between Mayu and Mina made me very, very excited for that new beginning in Sapporo show. I've seen some people actually say that they're going to steal the show. And genuinely, if they are given the time, if they are given even 15 minutes, I wholeheartedly believe that they will steal the show. Because Mina, over these two matches, absolutely destroyed Mayu's legs and honestly if they continue to build on that no one in this company sells better than Mayu does and the fact in fact there's one point where originally I had to rewind it um Hazuki has got I believe it's Xena up and both Mayu and Hanan go to run the ropes come back and do a bulldog and Mayu collapses on the way and I thought she just tripped up because you know it's Mayu um <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's obvious but it's her leg giving way and it was just her constant attention to making sure that people remembered her leg really hurt it's stuff like that as to why she's so damn good and why she's so untouchable when it comes to selling xena absolutely destroyed hazuki absolutely destroyed her like don't get me wrong hazuki gave as good as she got but i thought xena really really came into her own on this show from the chops the power moves she's got deceptive athleticism as well obviously the kip up and stuff with hannon um uh, i was really really impressed overall 
with the not synergy, that's not the word I'm looking for, the chemistry, that's the one, between the EXV members. What I really liked was during the entrance, you had Mina and Zena doing the dance, and Hanako just standing in the middle like a bodyguard. I thought that's a really good spot for her. Um, Zena has still learned that dance quicker than Wakasukiyama as well. Um, I knew you were going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> um, main event, I, I was listening actually, to a podcast I did ages and ages and ages ago with some research for the book. Um, and it was the Osaka Dream show from 2020, so December 2020. And I was so negative about our weather tie. And, and rightly so, you know, weather tie were not good in 2020. But the difference in them now is unreal. Tora feels like an absolute force. And the spotlight on Starlight Kid in this show, she had some brilliant... She was the main focus of this entire match, to be perfectly honest. They really gave her the time and the spotlight in this match. She had a great little exchange with Julia, but her and May Sarah, absolutely fantastic. Yes, Julia took the pinfall, and yes, I'm sure there will be those who will be going, oh, Julia's leaving, so they're burying her on the way out. It took literally everybody in Weathertie, including Momo, who wasn't part of the match, to lay finishes and lay baseball shots into Julia before Tora hit the Swanton bomb. So yes, Julia took the pinfall. Is she buried? No, absolutely not. Of course she's not. But that side, really, really good match this main event. Did a brilliant job of preluding Tora versus Julia ready for Corican. Um, it's going to be a great match. Don't see Tora winning, but I think it's going to be a great match. And also it just kept Starlight Kid in your mind, because she is a tremendous wrestler. My only concern, Matt, Suzu Suzuki, do you feel like she is being somewhat lost in the shuffle a little bit? I think a little bit at the same time, just with everything going on, you know, she was the person that we thought was going to, you know, it was widely reported that she was supposed to defeat Tam Nakano uh, for the World of Stardom Championship. And then she gets thrust, not thrust, I'm very well earned that main event spot against Mike and has an absolute banger. And it just seems like, yeah, maybe she's, you know, what do you do with her after that? You can't, you have to cool her down. You can't build her back up and then oh, her and Mike are going to have a rematch for the world belt in six weeks. That's not going to do anybody any good. So you're going to cool her down, but at the same time, she's going to get over win, uh, win, lose, or draw. So I think, again, maybe this is my personal preference. I think the best thing to do with her is just have, I mean, I, I'm a huge fan of this team of Suzu, Julia, May, Sarah. Obviously, you have Crazy Star, and then you have Julia. Julia and Suzu have really good chemistry, not only as opponents, but as partners as well. Again, if you don't have anything for Suzu to do, Give her and May a run, building them up in tag matches, and give us that Aphrodite match that we were supposed to get about a month or so ago. And regardless of who comes out on top of that, have Suzu and May team up. You know, I know May is the high speed champion, but you're not having her defend at every single house show. You know, put them as tag uh, as 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 partners uh, in straight up tag matches against. You can do anything against a Tora and Ruwaka, against a Momo and Ruwaka, against. Uh, you know, Wingori against Mayu and Hazuki. There's so much that you can do with them. You know, if you're not going to put her in any championship situ situations, basically because there's so many wrestlers in the queue right now, just have her have great matches. So she's still, you know, when you're watching her on these quote-unquote house shows, you're like, oh yeah, Suzuki, she's fantastic as well. 
And then until you're waiting for something to open up where you could insert or maybe for a white belt match or a white belt run or reinsert her, you know, for a big run in the five star, depending on where she goes, you know, uh, come, you know, once the new promotion starts. But Suzu Suzuki is somebody that's so talented that regardless of what they're doing with her, she's still going to get over. She's going to get over. But kind of real quick, uh, Rob, before I tag out to you, and then I do want to talk about match number five. A lot of people are saying, oh, they're burying Julia on the way out. I see your point. At the same time, we're not burying Julia. We're putting Tora over. Mm-hmm. We're building Definitely. towards a pay-per-view match. Again, again, we need to sell pay-per-views. This is the main event on this pay-per-view in Cork and Hall. So the main thing is, well, what's the best way to forget Tora over? How about her to pin the champion in a multi-person tag match? That would make sense, right? Stop overanalyzing things. It's the simplest way. So, uh, yeah, I think that was a great way to get Tora over. And um, just to kind of, I want to talk about match number five, your favorite match. This was, it was so close. This was my second favorite match, the EXV versus Stars. They did a great job of building Mina up to work on Mayu's leg. Now, again, me, you, yeah, me, you, and I'm sure everybody listens to this podcast are huge fans of Mayu Itani. Mayu does this move that she's in the corner. The person comes running in. She goes out of the corner. She does a schoolboy, and she does the one-legged dropkick. We've seen her do it a million times. Still blows me away how well she does it. I've never seen this move countered before, especially the way that Mina did, that when she did the dropkick, Mina grabbed the knee and put it in the figure four, and I was like, well, how about that? So now we're implanting that in our minds that that's a possible spot or a tease for the championship match. And I thought that was brilliant. Again, Mina versus Mayu at the end of this month, uh, next week, is going to absolutely knock it out of the park. The big fan of the teamwork with Hazuki and Hanan. Obviously, Hanan's team with Mayu a whole bunch. She teams with Saida, um, fan favorite of the show, uh, quite a bit as part of Wingori. Hazuki, her main person to tag with is Kagama. But there's a really good spot where they had, I believe it was Hanako, uh, down, and they hit a sandwich bicycle kick in running European uppercut. I thought that was great, and I thought the finish of this was great. Rob, have you ever heard of a trio tag team in Chikara called uh, The Colony? <laughs> yes, yes, I have. Yeah, you, you probably know where I'm going. The fi- obviously, yeah. the finish of the match was Xena hitting the Thunderstruck to Hazuki, but they set it up where EXV hits the anthill. They, they, hit, the an- they hit the <laughs> anthill. Now, I know all three members that were underneath those masks, Rob, and I'm not sure if you do know, but I'm not going to tell you who one of those, and Chikara, I don't think is a thing anymore. And I did spend a lot of my early years in wrestling uh, in Chikara, which was a great time. I did get knocked out twice in one match from the Necro Butcher. Another story for another day. Um, but uh, one of those members in the colony is a current world champion for AEW that you see on your TV every week. So that just, uh, that tickled me that they had to go to the Chikara playbook <laughs> from my one, from my one buddy who's uh, holding a championship in, uh, in AEW to be able to take down Hazuki. But all in all, though, that was a great match on what was a fantastic show. Yeah. Um, I must admit it was, it was pretty impressive to see Mina get up onto the shoulders of Hanako and Xena because they're both very, very tall. She did not look stable initially. I was like, this is going to go so horribly wrong. Oh my God, oh my God. And then she connected with it. It looked really, really cool in the end. Um, uh, She went to the top rope as well to dive to the outside, which we don't see very often from Mina. Um, It was less a crossbody and more like a, almost ended up looking like a double axe handle. Um, But I'm, I'm very excited to see this IWGP Championship shot. Now, obviously, 
I do expect, well, I'm sure everyone expects Julia to drop the New Japan Women's, um, New Japan Strong Women's Championship before she leaves the company. However, we are rapidly running out of time. I imagine now that she will beat Tora, even though it is worth pointing out that Tora is not the number one contender. Stephanie Vacker actually won a number one contendership match for that belt at Battle in the Valley. Um, I imagine that we will have a challenge from Stephanie Vacker following the match with Tora at Corican. And I imagine it was reported in the newsletter that I think that's the direction they're heading. It wouldn't surprise me if that's where Julia finally drops the belt. Um, what do you think, Matt? Yeah, I mean, that's a possibility. It's, it's, I mean, at the same time, they still can pivot. You know, if they want to keep the belt in the company, they can pivot and put it on Tora. And, and I think we mentioned this last week or the week before when Tora made her intentions to wrestle Julia that um, maybe that, that that's the way to go. And, you know, now you're giving your leader of a widow tie a championship belt that uh, Julia's done a great job of building up since she won back in Cork and Hall against Willow Nightingale. I mean, wouldn't surprise me if Tora gets the W here, but if I'm a betting man, I'm going to bet on Julia. But yeah, maybe Steph Vacker's the way to go. There seems to be a lot of people in the pipeline and not unless that new Japan is going to have a working relationship with both Bushi road and Rossi's company. I, I see her dropping that belt sometime soon. And again, it may happen this weekend. I'd be very surprised if it's Tora that drop um, that Tora that beats um, Julia, but simultaneously, I know that um, new Japan strong are running resurgence I believe is the next big show that New Japan are running after Windy City Riot. Because um, obviously we know that Julia is not going to be a part of Windy City Riot. She made that uh, abundantly clear. She's not doing anything wrong, by the way. So, you know, we did talk about that last week. But I'm just trying to see when Resurgence is, because that might be where... Right, so Resurgence is May 11th in Ontario, Canada. I wonder, and just for the record, I do think that Julia retains here. I do wonder if Tora was to win, if she would then drop the belt to Stephanie Vacker in Ontario, Canada in May. I wonder if that's what they'll do. It would be a shame to rob us of a Julia versus Stephanie Vacker match because I think that would be tremendous from admittedly the very little I've seen of Stephanie Vacker, but I imagine that that's what they could do should Julian not want to lose to Stephanie Vacker. I can't see why that would be the case, but you know, if that should happen, it wouldn't surprise me if they were to do that and then have Tora drop it to Vacker on their first defense match. Yeah, I mean, you get Tora over here in North America, especially in a, uh, a big wrestling area like uh, Ontario, Canada. That would again, that would be another uh, feather in the cap or the leader of a wedo tie. You know, something different. I don't think she's ever really wrestled in America. I'm not sure if she was on that show back in 2019 WrestleMania weekend, but again, that's the way to go. That's the way to go. Obviously, again, there's a lot of moving parts going on with not only uh, Bushi Road stardom, but Bushi Road New Japan, and as well as with Rossi's company as well. So, uh, we'll we shall see what happens. But it might come down to something that when they're putting this show together and they're trying to figure out who's up, who's down, where it's like, you know, we don't have any other really decision or probably the best thing at this point in time is to have Natsuko Tora defeat Julia in Cork and Hall. So, uh, yeah, we'll find out. We'll find out on Saturday morning. Uh, yes, Tora was on that card, by the way, um, the New York card. She. It was one of the last things that Jan 
did together before they disbanded in the Stardom draft. So uh, there you go. A little bit, little bit of historical knowledge for you there. Let's move on to the show in Toyohashi. So I'll just quickly whip through the results and then sort of briefly go through the highlights as well. This was from the 12th of February in, right, let me try and get this right, the Loisa Hotel Toyohashi Holiday Hall in Aichi. Sure. Um, uh, in front of 339 people, the results are as follows. Singles match, Suzu Suzuki defeated Yuzuki with the Dolphin Buster in 9 minutes and 32 seconds. It's not a move we've seen Suzu win many matches with, if any. I'm not sure if it was the debut of this move. Um, Three-way match, Saki Kashima defeated Hazuki and Lady C, pinning Lady C with the Kishkasai in 7 minutes and 45 seconds. In a tag team match, the team of Ruwaka and Starlight Kid of Awedatai defeated the EXV team of Micah and Waka Sukiyama. Ruwaka pinning Waka Sukiyama with the freezer drop in 10 minutes and 30 seconds. In an eight-woman tag, God's Eye got their win back, defeating Queen's Quest. Yori Rani, Yagami, Mirai, and Amisori, defeating Sai Kamatani, Utami, Hayajista, Azumi, and Miyu Amasaki. Suri submitting Miyu Amasaki with a sleeper hold in 13 minutes and 11 seconds. In a tag team match, the Cosmic Angels team of Tam Nakano and Yuna Mizumori defeated the team of Meisera and Sayaka Karora, with Tam pinning Karora with the violent shooting in 14 minutes and 35 seconds. Our semi-main event, a tag team match, Julia and May Sakurai versus Natsukatora and Momo Watanabe went to a double countout. Um, our first draw of the post-Rossi Ogawa era, 16 minutes and 32 seconds. And then in your main event, the stars team of Mayu Iwatani, Saeed and Hanan defeated the team of Mina Shirakawa, Hanako and Zina with Hannon pinning Hanako with the Hannon special in 15 minutes and 50 seconds. So, a couple of things to note from this uh, from this show. Firstly, Yuzuki against Suzu Suzuki. It was an opening singles match, but they gave Yuzuki a lot. Suzu gave Yuzuki a lot. Really, really, really good showing for the rookie. Went nine minutes. I don't think anyone really anticipated a beating Suzu Suzuki. But again, as we always say on this podcast, especially as Matt always says, it's not who wins, it's how you lose. And I thought Yuzuki looked very, very good in defeat. Again, looks far better than her in-ring experience would lead you to believe. Um, in the second match, Saki Kashima, Hazuki, and Lady C. Saki Kashima wins in her predictably heelish and cheeky way. Uh, Lady C hit Hazuki with this massive choke slam, and then Saki rolled in, hits Lady C with the Kishkasai, um, and got the win, and then laughed in Hazuki's face as she wondered what was going on, which I thought was really funny. Um, I thought it was interesting in the tag match that followed the Ueda Tai Team Starlight Kid and Ru um, Ruaka against Micah and Wakasukiyama. First things first, give me Starlight Kid versus Micah in a singles match. That is very, very tasty. They would have a really intense fight. I look forward to that. But I was really surprised that all in this match, it was Ruaka that was given the pinfall win here. Um, hitting the freezer drop on Wacker. Um, but yeah, the main point here was the small exchanges we got between Starlight Kid 
and Micah. There's just an intensity there that I cannot wait to see. Um, in the eight-woman tag, God's Eye versus Queen's Quest, I sang the praises of Miyu Amasaki for her offense on the previous day. I thought she looked great here as an underdog babyface literally trying to weather the storm of Suri, Mirai, Amisori, literally getting buffeted pillar to post, but eventually she just didn't have enough to withstand the sleeper hole from Suri. Some really cool exchanges between Aphrodite and the new eras, so maybe that is a future goddess of stardom title match later down the line. Don't tell me you wouldn't want to see that. I think everyone would want to see that. Tag match, Tam Nakano, Yuna Mizumori, Meisera, and Sayaka Karora. The big thing to come out of this is post-match, Sayaka Karora basically said that she is the only rookie without a faction and basically asked for Tam Nakano's permission to become a member of Cosmic Angels. Um, Tam accepted, but then Yuna Mizumori came back and said, whoa, 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 whoa. You can't just let her in. I am a Cosmic Angels apprentice. She should be an apprentice too. So uh, Sayaka Kuroya is now part of Cosmic Angels, but under the tentative title of Apprentice. But um, Matt, I think that might be one of the best fits in stardom and also goes down as one of the only things we've ever gotten right when we've predicted things in stardom. Correction, you got right. I said she was going to Club <laughs> Venus, which is not even a. Not only was I wrong, forgot about not that. even a fact. I may, I may as well say she's going to the Four Horsemen or the NWO Wolfpack. It would have been the same thing. So, I got to give credit where credits to you. Had her ped going to Cosmic Angels. I just thought because of her, how great her and Mina worked together as a tag team about a month or so ago. I'm like, oh, she's Club Venus all the way. Not only is she not Club Venus, not even a faction anymore, Matt. What an idiot. <laughs> Wolfpack is back because he mass destroyed. Jeez. Imagine if that's what she comes out to next. I just threw the crowd. Um, uh, who, who, who do we have going to DX? Who do we have going to DX a year ago? Is that Waka? That's right. Waka DX. That's right. Oh, Jesus. There you go. (laughs) DX versus Wolfpack confirmed. Um, (laughs) um, Bushy Road, if you want to know how to get fans back and in the good grace, we just booked it for you. There you go. WCW couldn't do it. WWE couldn't do it. You can do it. DX versus NWO Wolfpack. (laughs) Um. Obviously, the duel with May Sakurai Tour and Momo match was a brawl. Um, I, I love the partnership of Julia and Momo Watanabe. It's just such a violent exchange between them. Fantastic. I, I'd love to see more singles stuff between them. And Momo is one. You asked me earlier about who I'd like to see leave the company. Well, not leave the company. And certainly not like to see, but who do I think it would benefit? Momo has been such a casualty of this looks matter in wrestling. Um, You know, she had a phenomenal run as the white belt champion. And since then, you know, she's been a tag champion. She's been the artist of stardom champion. She's had, you know, a couple of red belt shots, but she's never really reached those heights that I'm sure many people expected her to reach. You know, when Io and Kairi left, it was very much Mayu, Momo Watanabe, and then a little bit later on, Utami. It was Momo that they were sort of pegging as the next future star. And, you know, as great as Momo is, I love Momo. She isn't 
I don't think, at the level that many people expected. And I think a lot of that is to do with the way she's perceived. Um, you know, you've only got to look back at when Stardom were putting matches together for Wrestle Kingdom 15. And every member of Queen's Quest was on those matches, apart from Momo. Like, you know, that that gives you some indication of where they saw Momo. I would like to see her go and be the big heel in that company. You know, <clears throat> I think she'd be a great champion, a great heel champion to then have your baby face overcome. I just feel like she's such a great hand. We've seen it, you know, when she's been given those opportunities. That match against Mirai most recently, just brutal. You know, she's still really young. She's like 23. Like, she's so young still. She's got so much left in her. And I think she's one that could certainly benefit from, you know, a fresh start. And she could be one we see leave because, you know, she has been with the company for a long time. I don't know what her relationship is like with Rossi, but it was just during this match where, you know, you see Tora and Julia tussling and, you know, Tora's getting the opportunity and Julia's this huge star. And you're like, well, Momo was such a huge deal in 2018 and 2019. And then, you know, it took her, what, something like two years, two and a half years to get another white belt shot. It wasn't, in fact, unless I'm very much mistaken, her match against Saya Kamatani was her first white belt match again since dropping the belt, which is crazy. Yeah, I think you're right, because she dropped it to Arissa. Yeah. And they never had a rematch. Arissa got injured. Tam beat, or Julia beat Tam in the tournament. Julia yep. never wrestled Momo. Nope. It went to Tam. Tam never. Tam lost nope. it to Saya. And then eventually, yeah, you're right. That that, And I think we reported that uh, when we reviewed last year's uh, a Supreme Fight show that match with Momo was her first time that she had a white belt championship match since her run ended against Arisa, and then she had that great one with uh with me uh Mirai a handful mm-hmm. of months ago. Yeah, you're absolutely right, partner. And then in terms of red belt matches, like you know she had the match with Utami in 2020, and then she didn't get a sniff of the red belt again until oh no she did, no she didn't. Scary. Until she had that match with Shuri at um, Midsummer Champions, so she's she's had sporadic title matches, but she's never truly felt since I've been watching. And bearing in mind, I've been watching religiously since the ninth anniversary show. Momo has never been a fixture in that main event in the same way as a Maya or even a Julia. Momo hasn't been in that conversation. And I don't think that's fair. I know a lot of people said that it was because of her look, which is nonsense. But, you know, (laughs) the proof is in the pudding. You know, (laughs) she hasn't exactly set the world on fire, has she, since she dropped that white belt? She's always been one of those where she's a reliable hand. She's unfortunately become the modern equivalent to what Jungle Kiona was becoming. A great hand that you know when you give her a tap on the shoulder is going to give you a great match, but not someone you then put a singles belt on which is a shame. And I think Momo, if she's one of the six that leaves, I think she could be a fantastic first heel champion or second heel champion. I think it would be perfect and then have a baby face to overcome. I think that would be perfect, a really good way to go because you know that even though Momo's a heel, she will still give you some absolutely fantastic matches. Um, I don't know if that's me. I'm just thinking out loud, Matt, but 
is Momo someone you would like to see stay in stardom and take advantage of the clearance of the glut of main eventers, or would you like to see her, you know, go and try something new? Very much like Hazuki Momo chasing that red belt. You know, she had again the ninth and tenth anniversary. She wrestled in the main event against Mayu and against Utami, both, you know, phenomenal matches. She had a great match with Sherry with the World of Stardom Championship. You know, as you're mentioning it, again, as we don't know what these rosters are going to look like in the next handful of months, but if Micah stays, which I'm assuming she's going to, wouldn't shock me to see, and it wouldn't be the worst thing. I think it actually, actually would be a good thing to see maybe right before the five-star, like one of those uh, Midsummer Champion shows that see uh, Momo Watanabe upset Micah and uh, go into the five-star as the World of Stardom Champion. And this way you have a pure badass heel that can go main eventing sumo hall why not try something different you know you're going to have a great match you know let's let's put the rocket towards her very much like they did back in 2018 when it was like you know again not only did eo put her over like you know you have your main draw of the company eo putting her over in cork and hall for the wonder of stardom champion and then eo basically saying by the way i'm leaving for wwe not only the wonder of stardom champion you're also the leader of queen's quest Let's kind of go that way with it, obviously, with just a, a heel way. But I know, like, some of the things that you are saying, like, Momo maybe should be pushed a little bit more. And maybe just because there's so many people in the queue for the World of Stardom and Wonder of Stardom Championship. But you can't deny that any time that she's had these main event matches or these big matches in the five-star, especially last year, that she hasn't delivered. And kind of just to end this on a positive note for Momo, I get asked all the time who's on my Mount Rushmore for uh, Stardom. And it goes, Eo. Mayu Kairi Momo. Momo is on my top four all-time stardom, and I'm a huge fan of her. And again, she's only 23 years old. Only 23. So I, regardless of where she goes, I think she'll hit a home run. Pun intended, partner. See what I did there with the baseball bat? But uh, <laughs> I, would like for, I would like for her to stay in stardom just so she can hopefully um, be able, if the, it, it, you know, if the story makes sense and the timing's right, eventually get that uh, World of Stardom Championship run that she so def- desperately has earned. Yeah, and then we'll talk a little bit about the main event. The main event was very similar to um, the match that they had in Fuji, um, which sort of alluded to when I was talking about it. Um, the only real exception to this was that EXV worked as a team to target Mayu's leg, which I really like. Xena in particular started working Mayu's leg as well, and I like the idea that EXV put this plan into motion ready for Mina to challenge in Sapporo. I really like that, and I thought Xena worked really well with Mayu. Mayu selling the power and the height of Xena. Also, Hanan, props to her for getting Hanako into the Hanan special, because Hanako is tall and that cannot have been easy so fair play to her every time i see hannon i just see a star now you know it's not even a case of oh it will happen in the next couple of years i thoroughly believe that this time next year she will be that star um she's got the look she's got the confidence her offense is improving all the time i love that corkscrew for um sorry that corkscrew uppercut I absolutely love it. I think it looks fantastic. Everything she does is so seamless. Um, And I can't wait to see her on a bigger stage because genuinely, I think she could be, in the next six months, a contender for your Wonder of Stardom Championship if she doesn't leave to go to Rossi's promotion, which, again, we don't know. Um, I didn't mention... um, 
in the previous show, the Yuzuki Saeeda May Sakurai and Sayaka Kurora match, um, that that was where May Sakurai and Chan Yota put the forward the challenge to Saeeda and Hanan for the um, New Blood tag titles, with Saeeda and May Sakurai properly going at each other after the bell as well, had to be separated. So that's something that I'm looking forward to. But yes. If you haven't seen these two shows already, I actively encourage you to pretty much watch all of the Fuji show. I thought the Fuji show was great. If you're pressed for time from the Toyohashi show, watch the singles match between Suzu, Suzuki, and Yuzuki. Because honestly, Yuzuki gives a fantastic account of herself. Um, and then the main event is really good. I'd also check out the God's Eye versus Queen's Quest eight-woman tag as well. Another really, really good example from both of those teams. Um, so as we uh, as we approach the end of the podcast, um, uh, Matt, you know what time it is. It's EO and Kyrie Watch, Matt. Yes, we actually have a special edition of EO and Kyrie Watch, and I'll get to that in a moment. So let's talk about what EO and Kyrie the former Wonders and World of Stardom champions, have done on WWE programming this week. Bailey comes out, cuts her promo. Huge babyface reaction. Bailey's phenomenal at selling this match that we're going to get at WrestleMania. Basically talks about how she was all she wanted to do is make damage control the best. But once EO became champion, that it was her, Asuka, and Kyrie that was basically put a knife into Bailey's uh, back. All of a sudden, halfway through the, po- the promo, Dakota Kai comes down, who has not been seen in about a week or so, and the two of them are going back and forth saying, I text you, you didn't respond back to me. No, I text you, you didn't respond back to me. And then uh, Bailey basically says she can't trust Dakota Kai. She doesn't know where she stands. Then Io, Kyrie, and Asa come down to the ring. They surround Bailey, and then Dakota Kai gets a chair, and basically chases Io, Kyrie, and Asuka off with the chair. So it does make does seem like Dakota Kai is siding with Bailey, but however, she did not hit anybody with the chair. I don't know if that was done out of proxy just to maybe have a left turn and have Dakota Kai eventually turn on Bailey and go with uh, Io's group, or if it's just something that we're going to see building towards WrestleMania as we are still about two months away. And I'm super excited for this Io versus Bailey match now. Rob Goodwin and our fantastic friends and family of the Stardom cast. That's all that happened with EO and Kyrie on WWE TV. However, friend of the show, advocate for the show, one Allison Danger was actually backstage at the SmackDown show. Now, for those who don't know, Allison Danger, who is a genius when it comes to professional wrestling and uh, is a huge fan of the show and does a great job supporting us and putting us over as many ways as she possibly can. She worked for NXT for a number of years as a backstage producer. Now, from what I understand, and I believe it was on the first interview that we did with her, we did ask her if she had any interactions with Kyrie or Io. I guess as she was coming in, Kyrie was going to the main roster, but Io uh, was there. I think her and Io came in right around the same time, give or take. So she did have a really good relationship with one Io Shirai. 
So she did tell me she was backstage. She saw EO for just a few seconds. EO came and gave her a big hug and just told her how great it was to see Allison, you know, uh, backstage at the SmackDown show. She said she didn't really talk to EO too much. My, uh, she said EO seemed really, really busy. I'm assuming because EO is promoting, uh, promoting this big match for WrestleMania that she had so many different media obligations to do that she really didn't get a chance to sit down and talk with Allison. However, Allison did tell me she had a long and great conversation with Asuka and Kyrie. Her and Kyrie did get into a much deep conversation about stardom. Not only stardom, but the stardom cast, Rob. Now, Rob, if you're keeping score at home, that's the that's the podcast you do, buddy. So what I'm trying to tell you is Allison Danger uh, talked at length to Kyrie saying that she's got a lot of her knowledge from us from the podcast, put us over to Kyrie. Obviously knows Kyrie's history in stardom, a lot thanks to do with uh, me and you and this podcast and all the uh, information that we've given Allison over the last year or so to kind of get her caught up on all things stardom. And again, she put us over huge to Kyrie. Now that I can tell you, what I can't tell you is some of the other stuff that Allison did tell me. Allison is very, again, she absolutely, she loves loves doing the show. She's a huge fan of what me and Rob are doing and trying to doing to get the podcast over to the kind of the, kind of over to the next level. And she basically said, Matt, here's what I would like to do. And I brought this up to Kyrie and I brought this up to the brass at WWE. And I put you guys over not only to Kyrie, but some of the media people in WWE. Folks, I'm not going to connect the dots for you, but there's a very good chance, fingers crossed, that we may be interviewing some top stars in WWE that were champions over in stardom. And that's all to thank to our good friend, one Allison Danger. I mean, if that's even close to being true, I am very, very excited. I think I will probably just disintegrate into a pool of sweat if that does actually happen. Um, But yes, I mean... (laughs) Big props to Allison. Like she's an incredible person, so fun to actually talk to, um, and I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that we get to see her during Philly Mania because I'd love to hang out with her. Just because I imagine having a drink with Allison is an event in itself, and I am so excited about that. <laughs> um, but yeah, big thanks to Allison. You are an absolute legend if you are listening, um, Matt. Hopefully, you'll be able to provide us with uh, updates. Fingers crossed, depending on uh, what you find out. Yeah, I absolutely will. And Kyrie, if you're listening, hi, how are you? You are our favorite pirate princess. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Just need a hat as good as May Sakurai's. Um, <laughs> um, into... And the elbow and the elbow draft, anyway. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah, absolutely. Um, now, in terms of what is coming up, so obviously this Saturday is the show at Corican. Um, we've already gone through the cards, but just to remind you, it's Julie versus Tora for the strong women's title and the new blood tag titles are also on the line. Hannon and Saida versus May Sakurai and Chan Yota. That is a pay-per-view. The link will go up, I believe, very, very shortly. Um, and you can purchase that for $14. I think it's 2,200 yen, I believe the conversion is. So check that out. We'll be talking about that next week. Um, however, you know, we, we were down on it being a pay-per-view. However, as Matt mentioned, on the Sunday, um, which I believe is in Shibuya, um, in Tokyo, we have a tag match between Julia and Suzu Suzuki and Fukuoka Double Crazy, which, in my opinion, 
is a pay-per-view level match. We are getting that on this show. Very excited for that. We've also got the rest of that card announced. So the card for the Sunday, the 18th, is as follows. Uh, we've got Tag Match, Wakasukiyama and Hanako V Nexus V um, taking on the Awedatai team of Ruwaka and um, Hina, I believe. Sorry, I'm looking at the translation. I can't work out who Cannon is. Nick Cannon? Who? <laughs> Nick Cannon, the guy from America's Most Talent? That, that might be who it is. That might be who it is. I've got no idea who that is. Um, I'll probably be able to work it out in a minute. Three-way match. Is it Rena? It might be Rena. Well, it's a team with Ruaka, right? So my guess would be Rena. Yeah, it's probably going to be Rena. Um, Three-way match. May Sarah versus Hannon versus May Sakurai. We've then got a six-woman tag. Tam Nakano and Yuna Mizumori and Sayaka Karora of Cosmic Angels taking on the Uedasai team of Tora Momo Watanabe and Starlight Kid. Ten-woman tag match. We have got Queen's Quest versus God's Eye. Utami, Saya, Azumi, Lady C, Miyu Amasaki versus Siori, Mariami, Sori, Saki, Kashima, and Rana Yagami. Um, Six-woman tag. Mayu Iwatani, Saya and Yuzuki versus Micah, Mina, Shirakawa, and Zena of Enexus V. And then, as I mentioned, that tag match. Julia and Suzu Suzuki versus... Fukuoka Double Crazy, Hazuki, and the returning Kagama. Matt, as you know, I am not an advocate for time limit draws, but good God, do I want that to go the full 15. Yeah, I mean, which way, other way it's going to go? I mean, I guess you can kind of beat Hazuki. Um, I hope that they don't. I don't think you're going to beat Kagama on her return. Not only that, but like, who's the well oiled machine as far as a tag team goes? But if I'm going to bet my money, I'm going to say that one goes to a time limit draw, but that one's going to be an absolute barn burner show stealer of a show um or show stealer of a match excuse me but uh, yeah i can't wait for that one to go up on stardom world hopefully it goes up by early next week please fantastic people that run stardom world so rob and i can review it uh next week for the fantastic folks of the stardom cast yeah absolutely and i wonder if you know We've got, obviously, the New Eras. We've got Crazy Star as well. Fukuoka Double Crazy could potentially put themselves in line for a tag shot if they win this match, or even if they draw this match. I love the way you're thinking, my man. Ooh, look at you. What a genius. There you go. See, it's that booking brain. It's that booking brain. Um, But, ladies and gentlemen, that brings us to the end of our podcast. As I said, next week, we'll be covering the Corricans and the show from Shibuya if they are up and live at that point. So, three shows to review next week um hopefully you will join us thank you so much for listening to the podcast we truly do appreciate every little bit of support that you give us thank you to all of our amazing patrons over at patreon.com forward slash the stardom cast you are the absolute best um if you haven't already subscribed to the podcast you can find us anywhere you get your podcast if you think we've deserved it a five-star review and a actual written review goes a long way to helping us out. It really, really does. You can check out the website, www.thestardomcast.com. Um, uh, check us out on social media as well, at The Stardom Cast. Um, if you want to join our new Patreon um, or the new tiers on the Patreon, don't forget, it has all been 
renovated and updated patreon.com forward slash the stardom cast uh, if you want to find us on youtube you can that is also at the stardom cast if you want to talk to me on twitter you can at real rob goodwin mr turner sign us off Absolutely. Questions, comments, anything that I can do for you. Any suggestions for that uh, $10 tier Patreon, let me know. Matt Turner OF on the Instagram and or the Twitter is the best way to get a hold of me. You want to shoot me an old-fashioned, fancy email, that's perfectly fine. The Stardomcast22 at gmail.com is the best way to get a hold of me via email. Folks, once again, that's going to wrap up another, what I thought was a fantastic and fun-filled episode of the Stardom Cast. We really appreciate your support. Can't do it without you. Because like I always say, it's just not my podcast. It's our podcast because when we're all together, everybody's different, everybody's special.